Hi everyone, uh, welcome to episode 10 of WeGCast. Uh, this is the scariest uh, moment of my life um, in the sense that I have Dan on three screens and have not had this much Dan in a while. That's um, a lot of Dan. There's a lot of Dan. Um, so those of you who are listening on the audio version of this will not have the um, lovely uh, video quality. So instead I'm going to ASMR the introduction. So the introduction for Dan, uh, this week we have, or this month actually, we have episode 10, so we've made it to double digits. Um, this is, uh, episode, uh, is episode 10, I said that already, good thing Andy, fucked up already. Um, <laughs> this week we have Mr. Daniel Card, so if we can have a little bit of an introduction about yourself, what you are, or who you are, or wh- why, why you're on our stream, what, what is going on, what is the meaning of life. <laughs> I, my name's Dan, and uh, I'm here because you asked me to be here. Uh, what am I? I'm a human, uh, I think. Uh, what do I do professionally? I'm uh, an, a managing security consultant, which means you mani- manage I to do things. <laughs> manage stuff and consult on stuff. Um, so, my background: I've been working in technology for. Longer than I actually want to say on a recording or on camera. Um, I've probably been in tech for way over 17 years. I can't remember. I started in tech when I was a kid. Um, and professionally, I started when I was 17. And I'm a lot older than 17 now. So I've, I've got quite a lot of years experience. Um, I've worked in roles from support through to uh, solution architecture, enterprise architecture, uh, I performed leadership functions, penetration testing. I have designed, well, I have planned, designed, built, configured, broken, uh, <laughs> probably most of the uh, Microsoft suite and uh, a large range of enterprise applications. I've worked over the like all over the world in fun places like Angola. Uh, I've worked for uh, shit tons of companies. Um, I cannot remember actually how many companies I've worked for um, in terms of how many projects I've done. Uh, so I started consulting when I was 23. So you got to think I've been to a lot of networks. Uh, I've seen some stuff. Uh, like I definitely haven't seen everything. Uh, I get surprised more and more uh, the more I go in this field uh, how little I know, uh, which is great. And... What I try and do is help organizations better adopt uh, technology into their businesses and better enable themselves through tech uh, in a secure manner, right? So I kind of come from the period of time when security and technology wasn't really a separate thing. It was all together. Uh, we didn't have all these cool CTFs and uh, it, nothing was all cyber as it was just like it was called IT. Um, so that's really my background in terms of industry experience. Uh, currently, I run a consulting firm. I have been doing that for over four years. Fuck me, it gets scary when you actually count time. <laughs> uh, and recently, I set up a, a venture uh, called CV19 Cyber Volunteers, and I set that up with Lisa and Rad uh, and a, a massive range of uh, volunteers who are amazing um, to try and help healthcare services uh, in the current climate. Uh, protect against cyber attacks to just give out some advice and to also perform like a whole range of services so we've been doing that for the last 
month. Uh, and we've had some great successes. Uh, the joy of this stuff in the security world is I can't talk about half the shit we do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but so far, we've had really good feedback. We've had a really good response. We've had great engagement from the intelligence community. Um, we've had great engagement from healthcare. And uh, as you can probably see from like our mascot, Roger, he gets lots of stars. Uh, and a star means we've done something that's actionable and good that I can't talk about. Um, but it means one of the team have helped someone directly from a cybersecurity capacity. So it's uh, that's a mad month. Yeah, I've been following that um, uh, on Twitter uh, in particular, and it's such a good initiative. There's so many people that are willing to help, like yourself, Dan, uh, and Lisa, uh, and others. And you you's got on it fast as well. Like, uh, obviously seeing the reality that this brings for security, you know, like the, the changes with COVID-19. How many people signed up to help? Uh, can you talk about that? Yeah, sure. So we had over 3,000 people say they want to help us to start with. We actually sort of got uh, a DOS attack by volunteers. Um, <laughs> we had so many people respond. Because this, this has really started with um, like a post-WannaCry, clearly there's a global problem at the minute. Clearly the security posture of probably the entire fucking world, if you were to be honest about it, is really quite weak. So uh, Lisa Rad and I got together and we're like, we should probably do something about this. And I was thinking, like, I'll get a couple of mates. We'll grab our crash bags. We'll uh, make sure we can get around the place. <laughs> if a hospital gets ransomware again, like in WannaCry, hopefully we'll be better prepared. Because we're in 2017, um, we gave threat intel to organizations, and some of them, most of them I gave threat intel to, uh, did the right thing. They patched, disabled SMB1. Uh, you know, you had loads of time to prepare. Unfortunately, the healthcare sector wasn't quite so on top of it. Um, and then I ended up on the Sunday uh, in a hoodie knocking on a hospital uh, IT department stroke server room door uh, saying, can you let me in, please, so I can uh, help. Because, you know, what happened there was that the there was a severe communication failure with regards to threat intelligence and scenario context. So... What I could see earlier, uh, you know, as this COVID-19, uh, COVID-19 situation started to really kick in, um, I wanted to try and help establish some better communications to leverage the goodwill and the uh, the cyber community spirit that we've got um, to try and give something back and try and do something because there's a shit ton of us people who are highly skilled, high, you know, there's, we're all professionals, we're all highly skilled, we've got a lot of experience, and we can use our skills to help the people helping us. Because I, I did first aid when I was in the cadets, and I'm not going to lie to you, I'm, I, I mean, I, I can't remember much about that. Yeah, you don't it's really fine, want... just put a plaster on everything, it solves all problems. Yeah, yeah, if yeah you're we'll bleeding out, pour some hard. magnesium into you and like... <laughs> If we if we set you on fire, put some magnesium in, it'll be fine. And drink some whiskey, it'll be it'll be absolutely golden. <laughs> but really, I thought it was a way of us helping people or attempting to help people. I'm not sure if everyone realizes how complex um, a legal, regulatory, and uh, politically and organisationally how complicated it is um, trying to do this. I don't know of any, like before now, I'm not aware of any mass cyber volunteer group setting up 
especially not centered around the healthcare industry. Uh, I, I'm not blind, I'm not stupid, I've worked in lots of orgs, I've worked with the NHS before. Like, we know that it's challenging, but to date, we're so far, we've um, had some great successes. So that's really what we've been what we've been up to, really. And I've managed to get some sleep now as well, which is good. <laughs> uh, I think that was one of the questions we had on Twitter was, uh, do you sleep? <laughs> yeah, no, I think that this will turn into, if I fucked up the audio levels, so or maybe not. Can everyone hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear Can you guys hear me? Yeah. I've just I've just done some fuckery and it's not doing anyway. Uh, regardless, um, yeah, I think it'll be like a half kind of Q and A and a half kind of Ouija cast podcast. So yeah, a little bit quiet. I'll, I'll come a bit closer to the the microphone then. We can go the the ASMR style. There we go. Uh, seeing as this is tagged as ASMR, it's going to be ASMR. Um, but yeah, the um, kind of general run that we do in podcasts is we kind of learn a bit about the speaker. Dan, have you listened to any of the podcast, or have you not? I'm not gonna lie. Do we lie? Can I lie? I mean, we'd rather you didn't lie. We're live on stream. So. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. It's in. Uh, it's in my backlog, right? <laughs> that's that's absolutely fine. It, it, it all, in all fairness, I, I, if I want to hear your beautiful voice, I, I can just call you, right? <laughs> that, that, that is that is correct. But you don't you do get to hear Dave's sexy dilute tones. That that is so. true. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, my podcast listening is a bit um, variable. I tend to listen to podcasts when I'm in a car. Uh, oh, sure, and then uh, we can't can't drive at the moment, so uh, a bit awkward. Yeah, I mean, I, can't, I I obviously have to, well, the only drive journeys I'm doing at the minute are for work, uh, which is very limited. Um, so my podcast listening to has been zero. I think one of the questions we got asked as well was, uh, what am I reading at the minute? And I, I'm generally reading threat intel reports uh, and <laughs> IMs and DMs and uh, Twitter, etc. Like my time of the last month has been insane in terms of the number of hours I've put in and uh, what I've been doing because I've been trying to maintain um, a current project I'm working on as well as make sure the CV19 initiative like has enough uh, support, motivation and has the right level of communication because whenever you try and do anything, it's, everyone's got like it's really easy to have great ideas. But it's really hard to get them executed, and it's really hard to actually make something actually work. So, uh, especially with three thousand volunteers as well, why well, that is quite a large number to try and logistically try figuring out the best way to get them you know, implemented, get them working, get them helping people, uh, which is obviously the, the ultimate goal. Um, so, uh, is that a worldwide kind of initiative, uh, or are you focused on UK Europe? All the so, questions, Dave. Everything. Every question ever. Just <laughs> <laughs> so um, focal. So the focal point really was uh, Europe, Europe centric, but and it was UK to start. And I've got PowerPoint slides with this stuff in, right? So we decided to approach this from a do it slow or slow the slowest movements move is fast, right? Because it's really complicated from a legal and regulatory and communication point of view. So what we wanted to do is not approach this with just running out there. We've taken this really slowly, mm -hmm. uh, or as slowly as we think is appropriate, if that makes sense. Uh, we've, we've done some stuff really quickly as well, but <laughs> we've taken an approach of if we build a pattern that can help in one area, we can repeat that to another. Mm -hmm. So uh, because of logistically, uh, a lot of us um, in the, like the initial sort of small group um, are UK based. So we were like, well, we know the UK like landscape and we physically get to where we need to go. 
if we need to. So our, our sort of point was start in the UK and then radiate outwards. Uh, and I can't remember the number of countries, but it's way more than the UK yeah. um, that we're hitting Great. Uh, at the minute. So we've got threat intelligence, uh, which goes out every week, and that goes to uh, a, a ton of places. That goes to, like, uh, I think it goes as far as Russia, it goes to Greece, it goes all over Europe, it goes to the UK, and it goes to all range of different kind of, uh, like organisations. Um, so, no, it's absolutely not, it's not just in the UK, it's not just Europe, uh, but what we're trying to do is build tools, build processes, establish trust, uh, enable ourselves, uh, and enable other people we're trying to help yeah. um, in a way that's at the right pace. Yeah. Uh, another issue like which people may not consider but the amount of noise that can be generated during uh like a crisis event so i would say covid 19 is a is a world crisis right it's, it's um, a pretty pretty bad time i'd say it's just, it's, up, yeah. it's up there up there with the bad things so you've got a lot of people who are you know there's a lot of people doing different things in terms of you've got family disruption you've got work disruption but you've also got a lot of people in the, the technology and security industry who have got a lot of free time. So we've also got other initiatives spinning up. So there's this signal to noise ratio uh, scenario you've got, which is there's a lot of like, there's a lot of activity that goes on. And it's what I want to do is make sure that what we're working on is really actionable. Um, I don't want to be running around like, uh, crying wolf we don't want to be given bad intelligence we don't want to be um interrupting the flow of uh patient care and that's really fucking important right the the whole reason we looked at doing this was because we want to help the people helping us deliver patient care right we're not here to solve the world's cyber security problems we're just here to do what we can in a manner which is supportive and actionable and helpful um Really easy to say in a nice soundbite, but actually much harder to do in reality. So. Yeah, I can imagine. But no, it's honestly it's fantastic work that you are doing. Um, I good luck with it as it comes. But as, have you said there's slides in? Have we got a wee slideshow? Oh no no no! Later, no. later. <laughs> slides are not. So um, I've well, got slides in, in, got in stuff audio. For publishing. Um, but again, the process is more. Uh, we're operating from a uh, need to know basis. We're operating from a. Uh, confidentiality uh, is really, really important. Uh, yeah, integrity is really important. So uh, we're not. I haven't got a lot of stuff that I would want to share. Um, yeah, that's just the nature of the beast, isn't it? But so uh, it's, it's also. I mean, it's also necessarily the, the primary focus of this particular podcast. This particular podcast was just get yourself on because you're a fucking legend, and we wanted to just chat to you about bits and pieces. So, well, I'll be honest, this it's, it's an awesome break and. Uh, you know, this podcast is, I mean, don't get me wrong, I've listened to snippets of it, but <laughs> the it's really nice as well to have a break, right? Because I've been working non-stop. Uh, I, I'm not going to tell you how many hours I did, but I did like, in 20 days, I did uh, 40 days worth of hours, so stupid. I was doing, uh, you know, I, I was getting up, uh, I was getting up between four o'clock in the morning and five, uh, and then I was working late. Um, so in like in eight hour workday blocks, I did a shitload uh, to the point where I was dizzy. But I guess that um, 
you got like this goes to everyone, I guess. Like uh, I used to do major incident management, so I sort of worked out how far I can work over what time period and how to sort of maintain sanity because he does make you go insane sometimes. Um, <laughs> so like I'm now trying to rebaseline and get back to normal normality because I don't think normality would exist, but um, I'm trying to get back to a like a, a more structured working pattern uh, and trying to make it so that we can be effective. And also that I can obviously maintain my uh, my business because I have to actually do some work every now and again. <laughs> um, but no, it's been um, it's been really good so far. It's it's challenging. I mean, the the, the key thing here right, is the people helping us. Um, that's that's what run like that's what makes this happen. That I get to sit here and, and and say what like some of the good news and some of the uh, good stuff that's happening. But it's the people that are enabling us to do that. Uh, I mean, that's the, the volunteers to start with. Uh, but also the organisations that are supporting us, um, because we're running on love, right? So, uh, <laughs> love does not buy new computers. It does not. I mean, I mean, it can do, but that's a different type of love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're not in that kind of work, right? <laughs> not yet. No. So that's really what we've been up to. Um, it's really cool. We've had some like really interesting techno uh, like technology um, components of this. We're building tool sets. I'm really hoping some stuff gets released soon. That's not a dig to anyone who's working on them. That's just a, a reality. Because <laughs> um, we're trying to come up with new and innovative ways to help uh, fight cybercrime, which is it's difficult, right? Because uh, we have the Computer Misuse Act. Um, Criminals are bastards, basically, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like... Uh, <laughs> you need to operate inside the law. You need to operate, again, with, like, absolute respect for what the fuck you're doing. Like, you know, this isn't a, a, a game, right? We are looking into systems and organisations that look after lives. Um, so it all needs to be done in, the, in, in accordance with local law, in accordance with international law, uh, and with the sensitivity that the, the domain requires. Uh, but from a tooling point of view... We are looking at what we can do to expedite our ability to take down phishing sites, to automate reporting, uh, to give our defenders a, uh, an edge, um, at least in our sort of lopsided landscape, right? Because uh, this came up the other day in uh, our isolation con. Like, what's the scope of a bad guy? Do they have scope restrictions? <laughs> well, not really, no. <laughs> well, I suppose it depends on threat actor. Some threat actors will only target a specific area. Um, t taking, for example, some some um, APT groups. If they're if they if their target of ransomware is only one sector, they will only target that sector. They won't like if they pick up a like if they're targeting healthcare, for example, and they pick up a business in the site, they'll ignore that. They'll go for just the specific sector because they're after specific types of property or specific objectives. So. By argument's sake, technically, yes, they do have a scope, but they're not legally constrained by a scope as we are. So they're constrained by their choice of what to do or what not to do? Yes. Yeah. yes. And that's obviously um, not what you have in reality. It's a bit like when, you know, Andy, like when people think you can go on a pen test and just like fire fucking exploits everywhere that uh, and get <laughs> shells. You can't do that. You, you cannot like start throwing blue keep around or eternal blue around if the endpoint you're targeting is a production system but if it goes down people could die or that it would cause a, a you know significant damage to your your customer so 
it, again, it, it's. I think the and I'm all up for the fact of you know some people could argue that you shouldn't have scope or a red team should have infinite scope and I'm not really up for that like I don't really you don't need well, that to be effective. The, the, the thing is though the, the the kind of caveat people say that red teams have a limited scope and to an extent they do but there's still a caveat to it because you still operate within the legal limits of whatever country you're operating out of unless you're one of the red teams that operate out of the countries that have no laws there are there are like two of them in the two cybersecurity consultancies that operate out of I don't know where it is, it's somewhere in the world but they have no laws so they can go and hack whatever the fuck they want and there's no well, there's no technical repercussions there probably will be but like there's there's not that computer misuse act or whatever the fuck they have in the, the Trump land over the, over the pond <laughs> Yeah I mean but that it's not just the law in your country and I can't this is a, you know, I'm probably not the best place to sit and talk about this in a minute but the it's not just your law in the country you're in. It's the country of the asset that you're leveraging, that you're communicating through. So like, yeah. if you go and tunnel through five different servers in different countries, you've got five different countries' legal systems yeah. in chain. So, I mean, I'm sure Uncle Sam would not hesitate to send a predator your way uh, just because you're <laughs> on an oil rig and there's no like law there or whatever. Um you know, yeah. this, this I mean, stuff. I mean, in in the current climate, I think he wouldn't mind sending a predator considering oil's worth nothing. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. What's the price on V Power at the minute? I, I don't know. I've not been to the pump. You know what? Damn, we're on lockdown. <laughs> I, really I, I, reckon, I reckon now's the good time to fill up the tank, right? <laughs> Yeah. I reckon now is probably a good time to talk about cars because I feel like this is oh, an yes. inevitability in this episode. So um, we... I don't drive. Uh, uh, sucks so for you. I have seen your car, Dan. It is an absolute stunner uh, when we were down at Steelcon. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's an absolute cracker. Uh, do you guys want to talk about, about cars? Uh, I feel this is I mean, going to need to be a section of this podcast. I mean, my, I obviously like my like my car is quite a big part of my um, my hobby because it's like something I can do that isn't a computer based activity, which is um, important. Definitely. It is right. So I love snowboarding. I love rock climbing. I love scuba diving. Um, if, if James Bond can do it, I want to try and do it. Right. Um, <laughs> so you love womanizing as well. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that, so I'm not going to. <laughs> no, but like, in all seriousness, like, so I spend a significant amount of my time working, right? And this isn't uh, CV19 related. This is like I work a fuck ton, right? When I do projects, I do change and transformation projects generally. They are not easy. They are fucking complicated. Uh, but I have to deal with a lot of people who don't necessarily know they need to change or that things need to change, or that there's stuff that's significantly wrong in their business. So I work a lot of hours, and, and going in the car is nice, right? I can, uh, I can get the wing started, get the V8 going, and I can go out and see, uh, like, go out into the countryside uh, with my missus, Mutara, and go and spend some time away from a computer and away from security, you know, away from tech. Um and I'm a little bit of a James Bond fan, so yeah. well, just a little bit. <laughs> never, never heard of that. No, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm probably uh, 
slacking a bit because of uh, the late and no time to die, right? I was uh, I was gutted. I bought the new jumper, had like uh, all ideas of what I'm going to get from the Bond merchandise range, and then it was delayed. But that's prob- probably good now, right? Um, I mean, the impact of like uh, COVID-19, it's, it's obviously fucking devastating, right? Like, there are significant, like, the global economy to me does not look like it's going to be in a good position, uh, which has it's a, in a in a pretty bad place, I'd say. It's it's continued, going to continue to get a bit shit. Most definitely. Um, but I think it's all about what we can do to, you know, like, people keep, so I keep hearing, like, when it goes back to normality. And the way I see this is that we shouldn't be going back to normality. We should just be moving to the future and making it better. So mm. whatever we can do to to make the the, the the new world, as it were, Jurassic Park 2, whatever it is we're going in, <laughs> um, we should do that, right? So, like, you can see massive impact from, uh, you know, the way people realise... I mean, us nerds have been saying this for a long fucking time, Right. You can do a lot of jobs remotely. You can do amazing things with technology. You can collaborate and communicate across the globe. You can, you know, you can do that to create efficiencies. You can do that to spend more time with your family. You can do it to, the, you know, you can make life better through tech. Um, and I think that's what we need to, to be doing. Uh, and I think that if you look at technology deployment globally, as a human race, we've kind of, not done it very well uh, and that goes from the amount of pollution we choke into the environment through to how we've deployed technology and the like the, the shocking level of lack of security uh, that we've put in like everything's least cost quickest fastest lowest quality thrown out there and we're seeing the impacts of that mm. so I think we need to like take this opportunity to to move to something better but anyway that's that's the car thing, right? So uh, I really am missing not being able to just uh, go out there and take some time away from the screen. Um, but I can do about three months probably sitting at a computer, and apart from the fact I get fat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you guys. Do you guys find, I mean, I, I find that uh, if I get into a groove and start like keeping myself in shape, I'm okay and I can like, but if I try and like, if, I, if I'm hacking like, if I'm pwning something for ages or I'm building a lab or, you know, working on something really hard, I find it really difficult to keep that regime going. So, like, I nerd out for ages, get fat, and then decide to have a break and go to Italy and, like, try and lose weight again or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've, got, I've got the beauty that I think metabolism doesn't exist, so it's pretty great. I can, as, as, my, as my friends will know, I've been eating takeaway almost every single day of this lockdown and not really been doing much, much else. And it's it's pretty great. I mean, I I, sh- I echo your kind of point of um, not being able to go out in the car is a bit shit, and it, it actually, you know, it's a bit shit. It's really shit. Like one of the one of my all-time pastimes. Some of you might know I've got a blue car, and Dan has been in that blue car, and he didn't die, and so is Dave. <laughs> that matter. So this is true. Yeah. This is true. Uh, I survived uh, that journey back from Steelcon. <laughs> Surprising. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that's like. Uh, it sounds silly, but some of the stuff, I, like, we were planning on going up to Scotland, right? Um, yeah, yeah. You, you didn't have to travel very far for that, right, guys? But <laughs> I was planning on taking the Vantage up to Scotland, because I was like, cool, that's pretty James Bond, right? Let's go up, meet R2, and uh, and go around the locks. And so I'm looking forward to doing that when we, like, when we get into Jurassic Park 2 or whatever we go to. Um, 
But yeah, no, like, uh, like my car's cool, right? Like, uh, I'll be stupid to say it's not. Like, uh, I don't have a huge range of stuff I do other than snowboard and like rock climbing and stuff. But I spend a huge amount of my time working. So, like, for the sacrifices I make in one hand, one hand, I then try and make sure that I've got like some counterbalance. Like, uh, the most important thing to me is to like spend time with my family and to like uh, spend time with Tara and get away from computers. Uh, which I love. I fucking, I am so lucky. I've got a job that means I get to basically play with my hobby. If you see you play yourself, I'm like, that's entirely different. <laughs> <laughs> so what if we take a step back from like kind of CV19? What the, uh, you were talking about you driving and obviously that's one of your hobbies and you enjoy doing for fun. What was the last thing that you had the opportunity to sit down and do that was new that you found to be fun, rewarding, and sinking like endless hours into? Do you remember? Oh, no, I haven't got a clue, mate. The end. <laughs> uh, I, I probably Call of Duty. tell you. I mean, when when I set up the business, like that consumed my life, right, for a bit. Mm-hmm. I say for a bit. Uh, I think it still does. Um. Like most of what I get, like I do, I, I spend a lot of time uh, with tech, right? If I'm if I'm not doing project work, then I'm researching or I'm building labs. I mean, because I build CTS, right? So they don't take like I don't build them in ten minutes. So like CTF builds, I've built more CTFs than I've released. Like there's stuff I've built that probably will never ever get released. Um, not because I don't want to release it, just because. I have to try and make sure it fits into the, the frame that we're moving into. So, like, if it's a con CTF, it's got to fit a certain time. Um, or if it's an online one, it needs to be of a certain skill level. Uh, but so what, have I, what have I spent my time doing? Uh, technology, right? That's uh, yep. technology, and then the other option is to, is to go out. So, at the minute, uh, given we are in, in lockdown, it's uh, it's mainly tech. Tech and tea, right? Tech and tea. <laughs> As, as we were saying in the precast, getting tea faced. <laughs> oh, oh. um, don't, don't die, Dan. This would be a really awkward life. You know, that would be really bad as well, right? Like, I would definitely be, like, upset if that happened. I've got so much more to do. Um, yeah, I don't think Tara would be too happy either. No, no. The, um, also, because Tara really loves me and my cars, right? Because like, <laughs> I keep saying to her, I need to plan my next one. Uh, and I, I think she swears a lot when I do that. I tend to zone out and uh, I pretend that she's saying, that's a great idea. I think the DB11 looks really good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of trying to sell that one on the... Um, we haven't got kids, but we want to have kids. So, like, I was like, that's got seats. You can just about fit a person into the rear in. So I'm thinking, like, a DB11 uh, should be definitely looked into. Or a DBX. Um or, or an AMR V12 Vantage because they've got, they've got back seats, right? The Vantage doesn't, I don't think. It's got a roll case in the back. I'm sure you could strap a car seat. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely put children in the boot. <laughs> don't do that; it's illegal. <laughs> um, but the yeah, I mean, like uh, you've got to do something with your life, right? Like in terms of if you can. I mean, I love just getting in the car. Like the trip me and Andy had around the locks was fucking amazing, right? Um, we always died once, to be fair. It was fine. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, but I, I mean, I felt pretty safe. I'm not going to lie. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> which which sounds crazy, but like it's strange. There's some people who get in their cars and 
you're, it's scary. Like you could get in someone's like Ford fucking Fiesta or some shit, and not the not Andy's <laughs> like. As a focus, to be fair, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah, you know <laughs> what I mean. Like, um, I'm talking about someone's like really banged up old car, but it isn't gonna go fast, or or like a a, a Kia or some shit. Um, and some people scare the fuck out of me when they drive. Like, you know, the people that get really angry at everything. Oh yeah. Like, I get really quite worried as a passenger, like in that scenario. If someone's driving a car and they're, they, you know, they're um, they're not exactly light with their foot. That's okay. <laughs> always to the speed limit, though. Always, absolutely. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, around the lock. I mean, it was a bit like driving with Miss Daisy, right? I, I, I reckon I could have got out and run quicker. Oh yeah. <laughs> Actually, to be fair, that corner that comes round, you're like, I couldn't take that in the Aston. I'd be off the cliff. I was like, it's fine, guys. I've got four wheel drive. <laughs> <laughs> And there was definitely not GoPro footage to... Uh, to, to... Oh, no. Not at all. <laughs> so where does your love for James Bond start Oh, from? man, I mean, Damn. who doesn't like spy shit, right? Like, um, I, I, I don't know many people that don't like James Bond. Um, I remember, like, when I was a kid, I was probably watching Gold, Goldfinger, I think, Um not, not gold member. That's a different one. <laughs> no, not gold member. Gold member's good as well. Like, uh, yeah. you know, the Austin Powers films are fucking awesome. I yeah, can watch them all day long sure. as well. Uh, I'm not just a Bond fan though. Like, I, I like, uh, I like a lot of action movies. I like spy movies. Uh, I like thrillers. Um, like, does James Bond's cool? He's British, and uh, he drives super cool cars because like Aston Martins are the best. Andy Palmer, you love me, right? I mean, I don't have to pay, like, whatever for a starter motor. That's why you couldn't buy me Aston up last time. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't even the starter motor, though, was it? That was, uh, that was corrosion on a earth cable. Um, <laughs> that was fucking annoying, that was. Uh, mainly because, like, I don't particularly, like... When I had, like, MX-5s, uh, I wouldn't mind just jacking them up and, like, you know, you don't really care. When I say I don't care, I absolutely would be devastated if my MX-5 had like got damaged but um if i dropped one i could probably get a new one pretty quickly um yeah because they're, they're a lot cheaper like the, the, the parts the parts for an mx5 are probably a fraction of the parts of an aston and for the whole price of a car like the focus is cheaper than the aston yeah like i mean the uh, i've got a bit of uh, plastic i think it's plastic oh yeah uh, you were saying about this on yeah. my radio cover and it's like that big and that was a hundred quid. Um, like they're not cheap, but also don't get me wrong. Then like, if you buy a brand new one, you know you can go online and see how much they cost. But my car is not brand new, um, and like it's still significant money that I paid for it, and it still costs. Like to run one of these is not cheap. Um, but when all you do is like cyber eat, sleep, repeat, uh, like. What do you want to do? Like, have fun and enjoy something, or like, I could not spend money on anything. But yeah, well, you've got to have your vices. That's the thing. Everyone has their what? Well, being being security consultants, everyone has something we piss money on. Like, it's, it's quite quite literally, 
Um, most most pen testers I know have nice cars. Most of us are petrol heads because we can afford to be and because we work from home. So having the the joy of being able to go out and rag something about the hills or go and just drive, it's, it's a good escape. And as you're saying, getting away from the keyboards, essentially. Like we had um, FC on a couple of episode, episodes ago and he, he's a big big car fan as well. He's had like GTRs and all sorts of fun stuff. And he was saying the exact same, like having something to take you away from things is really important. And Stu as well. Stu's got a fucking race car. Well, a race car. He's, he's building a race car out of a, a Volkswagen Jetta, which is looking pretty phenomenal. But yeah, we're, we're all petrol heads at the end of the day. Apart from Dave. Dave will get there one day, I think. One day. I was considering learning just before COVID hit, so that was perfect timing. But, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, what do you guys think about driving as part of a career in security? Is it going to be an essential thing, would you say? If you were to advise people that don't have a license, whether or not they should be seeing that as a priority? I'd say as a pen tester, it is a priority. Mm. Um, if you work for... Even even when we get back to the future of life, there will still be on-site work. <laughs> <laughs> there will still be on-site work. And I think having um, ha- having a car is so much more beneficial. Like there, there, Dan, your experience might vary slightly. I'm not 100% sure. But you've done pen testing and data centers in the middle of nowhere, I'd imagine, at some point. And... You can't really get there by train. That's my you concern. You can't get there by plane yeah. or bus or fucking walking there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, like, there's a lot of shit you can do remotely. Like, I wouldn't. It's a bit like when people talk about degrees or what you must do or what you mustn't do. Like, having a car for business helps, and it definitely helped in the old world. Um, but I would say you can absolutely do a lot of things remotely. Mm. I mean, Andy and I were talking about this the other day, though. It's really easy to sit, like, sit at a laptop or at a computer and send some web PPUs and never speak to anyone, like, and do some, like, it's a bit like, you you can do bug bounties and probably never speak to anyone, right? You could literally, like, just be fucking silent. Um, But most of what we do in the security space, A, isn't pen testing. Like, when you look at the life cycle, like, the... um, the service development life cycle, software development life cycle, you know, whatever you want to call it, like the life cycle of technology management. Pen testing is like, like a sliver. Yeah. Um. So you got to think like, what skills and capabilities do you need? And most of that actually comes down to communication. Like, if you can talk to people well, you're going to do quite well. You know, because you're going to have to, you sit there and go right, okay. Let's say uh, we found a vulnerability. That's great, but unless someone actually fixes the vulnerability, or unless it's contextualized to someone's business, no one gives a fuck. So, does driving help? I think it helps. Uh, it, it can help you in the sense of if you do need to get somewhere where you need to have face-to-face meetings, that it's is useful. Yeah. But you can do a lot. Like I've got, like I, I don't get buses ever. Um, but uh, <laughs> like I fucking hate buses. None of that um, peasant life. Nah, just. <laughs> no, I'd rather walk. Yeah, I figure like if you need to get no, but like you can do quite a lot um, without a license. Like, I wouldn't say it's gonna massively con- like constrain you, but for certain roles and certain organisations, they'll want you to drive. That's like just a given. Yeah, um, I don't see any point in not doing it and closing all those potential doors that might be there in the future. So it's pretty much going to be on the kind of priority list to get done. But like, uh, yeah, I wouldn't. St- I mean, with all these things, right? Like, there is no set rules, really. And um, you know, you get people that have massive HR gates. That's not always the case. 
different rules, different verticals. You know, there's a shit ton of different scenarios you can be in where you can work in an office, you can work remotely, you could... Hell, I, I did a project in Angola, which the majority of the project I did over the, over the phone. For a project I was told that could not be done over the phone. Um, you know, I wouldn't let things limit you in life. The the number one thing I find when I, like, when I, I'll be sitting in a pub or something and I'll just be, like, waiting to see a mate and I overhear people, you know, as everyone does, like, a bit of uh, people watching and, uh, and eavesdropping, as it were, and I reckon the number one thing that I see in life is that a lot of people are either, like, nurtured or trained to think they will fail and to think they are not good enough and to put barriers in front of themselves, like, immediately. Their first thing people will say is, oh, I can't do that because. And, like, I wouldn't ever approach life that way. I'd be like, I am going to do that despite of. Um, so, yeah, it's good that if you want to drive, drive. If you enjoy driving, great. If you don't want to drive, I, w- I wouldn't worry about it. Like, that's that's sort of my, uh, my, my worldly view on it. I think that when you look at the environmental impact uh, of COVID-19, like, not driving so much might be a good idea um because i think the world might get a little bit better like we're clearly fucking it up a little bit as a human race but, um you know do we want to drive like uh i'd rather do less journeys and do it in an aston martin gotta go, go fast though i'm just saying gotta go fast That's... yeah yeah drive appropriately for the road conditions <laughs> yes <laughs> um, don't, don't get caught is what we're saying don't get caught <laughs> yeah, there's no get out of jail free card. It's not like a pen test where you can be like, "Look, I'm meant to be here." If you're in the UK, that seems to work anyway. Um, you know, like uh, I, I'd rather have have a have a car that I that I liked and gave me a smile than than not. Uh, I mean, I didn't used to drive when I was uh, younger, so like, I don't know. I wouldn't go back now. I would much rather have a cup of tea. And be able to go out on Sunday and take Tara out to a castle or whatever we go to, um, than anything else. Like my 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 getaways, my like going to see my family and going on adventures is like like the best thing in my life. That's like the, the reason I like work so much is so I can go and do that stuff. Yeah, damn right, man. So you're seeing cap uh, talking about capture the flag, so. There might be some people listening to this that wouldn't necessarily know what that is. Some people maybe just kind of starting out. So, uh, obviously, most will have heard of them. Uh, but what is a what what is a capture the flag competition? And what's your kind of process for putting one together? Is there a process? Or, uh, tell me a bit about that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So capture the flags are they're basically uh, there's a few different styles of them that you can do, but the usual one is Jeopardy, which is a uh, a range of different types of challenges. But essentially, capture the flags are where you uh, set up challenges on computer systems, and people then use their either defensive or offensive skills to uh, solve a challenge. And that might be reviewing something in a PCAP, that might be looking at some log data, uh, and trying to find a specific bit of data. Or, from an offensive point of view, break into a system, exploit weaknesses, uh, gain footholds, and then find uh, bits of data. So uh, we tend to put like flags uh, as files on systems, uh, but we like I'll put them anywhere. Like I hide flags in Active Directory metadata. We hide flags in pictures of cats. 
Uh, where you hide, you know, essentially the flag is like the is the objective from a gaming point of view. Mm-hmm. So it's gamified cyber warfare scenario stuff. War games. Um, yeah, basically it's a training game. Um, it's like the the geek version of playing Call of Duty, uh, like but with real systems. Um, I, I guess you asked them about the process of doing Capture the Flag game. I mean. I follow a quite specific process mm-hmm. when um, when I build, and I, I, I build CTFs uh, in my own sort of style. Uh, I'm really quite particular about the look and feel of what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also try and make sure that my CTF games and the challenges, like the main like the, the, the main events, as it were, uh, they all tend to focus around real life scenarios with real life tech and systems that I see being exploited in the wild mm-hmm. uh, and I like put pivoting and I'll put exchange SharePoint active directory. Uh, like if it's something real that I've seen pwned in real life and can lead to a breach, I'll put that in a CTF to teach people not only how to exploit it, but m- more that I'm interested in is getting people knowledge of how to defend it. Mm-hmm. I, nowadays you can like people are like coming out of school and becoming pen testers. Um, which is great, like the, and the oh, it's, it's, it's not the only way as well. I mean, what, what you touched on earlier is actually key, and it's it's really important that the pen testing is just a slither of the market. I think what I've started to learn more, and what we were chatting about on Saturday, is too too many people get into pen testing but don't understand how enterprise networks work. They don't understand how to build them and then how to actually defend them. And it's I think it's important to come from a system or a not a sysadmin or like a tech support background which is a hell of a lot more useful than just going, right, right guys, or right folks, I've got a fucking degree, I want to go and break shit. And it's like, mm, <laughs> realistically, you're not gonna, if I was going to hire you, I wouldn't let you anywhere fucking near a network if you've never built one before, because mm. that's just dangerous. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I, I try not to limit people, if that makes sense. Like, there are definitely better ways of getting experience than just trying to go and run exploits. Like, you can go and grab a POC off the web, like off GitHub, and you can start spraying and fucking... Uh, you can get access to systems. Great. Like, a lot of what people don't realise is that it's more important as to why the vulnerability existed, but also why it maintains. Like, there's a lot of um, reasons for systems management, and, like, I use the word technology debt, but, like, technical debt comes for a reason and it's through cultural behavioral and organizational supporting mechanisms um it's not just like oh just patch or just back up or just fix this or just change that red key um you need to understand that what led to the the vulnerability existing what the management context and governance and business constraints and context is around this like you might i, I go on about this a lot at the minute but Fundamentally, I think business models from a cost to a margin point of view for service development, I think they're broken. I think the reason why technology and security management is so fucking bad is because organizations... People fail upwards. They fail upwards into management a lot of the time as well. They don't understand how how to manage things. Yeah, yeah. But fundamentally, I think like there there isn't the resources allocated. If you go and... And I don't work for a bank, right? But like... If you went to a bank and looked at their loan applications and the business plans, you will not see the right level of uh, 
resourcing and funding and training development and management, but the, the business operating model and the res financial resources provided to build a product or service almost certainly does not have the right level of technology and security management costs built into it. And then when you look at like market space impacts, if you said like, let's take a 50 year old organization that's got like really fucked security. Let's say we turn up and someone says, can you pen test it? And we roll in and team skiddy rock up and we're like, yo, we, uh, we get shells everywhere. We wreck it. We write a report and it's like, there's a million vulnerabilities. To fix that will require a significant investment. To fix, like, that's just the point in time fix. To fix the systemic problem would require a change in business costing and model and resourcing and training, et cetera. So the, the business operating model will need changing. And then you look at the fact of, okay, so that adds X cost onto their product cost base. And then if they're in a market space, either someone's margin is going to get eroded or it's going to get transferred. And like, I'm not, a, uh, I don't do a shitload of economic studies, but like, I'm pretty sure there's a problem with increasing security cost in market spaces that are cost aligned to uh, low quality, low cost, just in time type um, approaches. And I can't remember how the fuck we got onto that, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I think it was what we were saying about limiting yourselves and routes to go through. Who knows? Andy, you remember? What we were talking about? Oh, yeah. Um, something, 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 <laughs> something, something, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do I get from tax to the flag to, to financial models? Oh, no, we were talking about the, the kind of split and how pen testing is only the kind of tip of the iceberg and how the, the kind of journey into security shouldn't be constrained by just having a degree and not limiting people and just having a bigger understanding of what the, the enterprise security picture is. Like, all the fucking clouds, all the all that bullshit, all the other things, like, it's just somebody else's computer. Come on, people. Yeah, and I guess I, my, my point, I get, I'm trying to remember what I, I now remember. I, to swing back, I try and design CTFs to teach people how to defend networks more than attack them. Yep. Like, yeah, the, the primary sense. purpose of all of this stuff, like, unless you work for uh, criminal organizations or a very, 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 very select uh, small group of people, you are not pony stuff um to break it you're poning it to fix it yep yeah i suppose that's maybe where some people might get caught out on hack the box or you could have someone that's really really good at hack the box but you put them into an environment when they're talking to a business and they've got to be able to give those correct remediation steps to prevent what it was they exploited to begin with happening again uh that that's the probably the difference there between you know you could have a very good someone that's very good at hack the box but doesn't necessarily make them a good pen tester i would guess yeah like uh, uh let's say you found eternal blue open right like yeah. what's the response well uh you could say well patch but what if it's a regulated environment whereby the machine that you attacked was i'll give you healthcare right let's say it's got a supply chain contract and it's got regulatory approval cycles which means they're not allowed to change the software on it so what do you do? You can't always just patch. Um, there's really... Patch all the things. Patch them all. Yeah, I mean, like, which is... I mean, you'll hear me say fucking just patch, right? So that, like, But the reality is you can't always just patch. Um, like, there are legal reasons why you are not allowed to patch. So people that say, like... I, I, I'm, I find this really conflicting because I used to patch manage, like, 25,000 endpoints. So... Uh, <sighs> You can patch a lot of fucking stuff, right? 
if there is no excuse, or there's very often, you know, there shouldn't be a general excuse that says, like, oh, patching breaks things, or patching is hard, right? Patching in, in the, the majority of commercial situations is actually quite easy. But that does not mean the statement of patching is fucking easy across the board works, right? So you need to, like, develop a tiered system. You need to identify critical assets. You need to identify, like, um, uh, a patch deployment mechanism. And you need to roll that out in a way that's safe for your business. But you need to fucking do it. And at least, or at least yeah. mitigate the risks. Like, uh, I can't tap because my keyboard is so fucking noisy. Um, <laughs> not, not allowed, no. The number of unpatched boxes out there, the stuff where that could be patched, is, is, is not good, right? And there are systems that you know, like, if you had, like, your AV management console box, right? Let's take a, an AV management server, uh, let's say it's a front end and there's a DB server behind it. If you took that system offline for an hour to patch it and then brought it back online, your business is probably not going to be fucked because of that. So, like, you could probably just, like, patch that, and if it fails, restore from yesterday's backup. Probably, right? There'll always be an edge. <laughs> um, that's different to if you're going to just, like, flatten the domain controls and new batches or go to a electronic patient record system um, or, like, the... The, the x-ray systems and stuff like there's some shit you can't patch in that way and you need to develop strategies to overcome these constraints you need to design and build systems that have the right level of availability resilience like most organizations don't have test systems like yeah. again this goes back to the, the the financial model being wrong but essentially like this is not so simple as just like apt uh, upgrade right like you need to you need to know why you need to understand the context you need to fucking like talk to the people that maintain the estate of how it is because they will know why it's not patched and it might not be an answer anyone wants to hear mm -hmm. but there, there will be reasons and they're not usually very hard to get to you talk to the people who look after the stuff and you find out why and it's usually due to the lack of governance, lack of training, lack of resources, uh, poor business uh, relationship management, uh, poor supplier management. Like it's, it's, you're looking at everything that's not the technical bit. Like the patch to install is like you change one reg key and like uh, you're fixed. Or yeah. you know, disable NetBIOS doesn't exactly take a. But that you know, that's we can kill responder in in like fucking no time. Like and no, no but I, I understand your point. I mean, enterprise patch management. While, while it's simple in some situations, can be very complex in others. Like a primary example would be kerber roasting. You can't fix kerber roasting across the board or you break your network, provided it's got legacy support. So if you've got a network that's got uh, Windows 2003 as a legacy support for, I don't know, an ATM or something, if you're a bank, right? If you try and fix kerber roasting, you need to disable RC4, which Windows 2003 doesn't, it doesn't allow it. So by bringing it up to AES, you fuck up all your service accounts that are running multitudes of, like, cash backups, invoices, you're typing really quietly, or maybe not, I don't know. <laughs> you try to type, like, one key. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you're, you're fucking it up. So, like, the, the um, I don't know what I was talking about, actually. <laughs> Just lost the plot. <laughs> you were saying about the uh, fact that enterprise patch management is difficult, and it is. Um, yeah. But I don't think something being difficult is an excuse to not manage risk. Like, no, that's true. And we do have, like, all of us on the call, like, 
I mean, some of it's fucked, right? There's, there's like some of it's really bad, and some of that is not because it can't be fixed. It's because there is not the required will, motivation, drive, support, whatever. You know, there is something broken from an organizational governance perspective, or business um, buy-in as well. Like you've got, you've got the. I suppose going back to the enterprise patch management, if you're patching like ATMs and you you risk bringing down an ATM network by patching the centralized server, that's that's a that's a business buy and you need it's not necessarily a technology requirement. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's again why I you know my view is like if you can if you can talk to people, you're gonna be a way better uh, technology security person then if you think it's all about the zeros and the ones, like there, there needs to be a split of different things, but we could definitely all improve, and this is me included, improve our communications, right? If you, most of the scenarios I walk into in businesses, and I walk into really fucked stuff, right? I, I don't do easy, not not that choice. I'd love to have an easy ride, uh, just to throw a few PowerPoint slides up and say like, uh, you're here, you need to move here, and then we do some project work and then you're done. Um, I get the really hard shit usually, um, but this stuff can can be done, and we, if we apply the right method and we improve our communications, and if you explain to people early on enough in their idea life cycle, then we can make the world's technology deployment better. But like we've got years and years and years and years of um, of, of poor technology management practices to overcome. That sounds really fucking cheery, doesn't it? The yeah, um... it's, just, just, it's just really shit. Is Dave still here? Are you still here, Dave? I am. I'm just listening. Yeah. This isn't really... really a conversation a newbie can have much of a chime in on. Oh, you can. I mean, what have you seen from a CE perspective? I'd imagine you will see a lot of enterprise networks. So you probably will have seen a lot of um, missing patches and things like that. So you, you do have a. Um, I on mean, it. to be honest, though, I mean, I, I do. Uh, I'm not doing anything too crazy on a. Uh, CE test anyway, uh, Cyber Essentials, uh, pretty much a credential patch audit, which, yeah, does show me obviously holes in patching. And, but to be honest, like, I, I, I'm quite happy about it. Most organisations I test uh, are actually really good and they are really on the ball with it. It's not always the case and there's sometimes a machine maybe slips through the net, but yeah, at least at my early point in my career, it's not been too bad, but I so can't imagine that scales. When you, uh, and if you check a Windows box, right, go and look at the patch install dates and the date that you do the Cyber Essential yeah. test <laughs> and graph that against the release plan from MS. There's a yeah. spreadsheet you can get. Um, also, I mean, uh, also, <laughs> fuck, should I say this? Um, you can, like, you can hide assets from a CE of assessment. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if people do that. Like, of course, showing you a perfect box that's been built the day before, like you say, checking the update history for Windows and seeing that patches from six months ago were completed. Oh, you know, I mean, the same day, sort of thing. Most audits I do, I say audits, I do. I don't like calling them that because they're not too like they're not audits, they're assessments. Um, when I go in, I watch the patch install graphs, and it's really funny. Like you can see when organisational changes occur. Yeah. You can see when. Uh, if someone's due an assessment, then you watch a patch spike go on. Yeah. And um, like, I, I, what I'm trying to get to is that if you're doing a CE assessment, you are probably going to see the world in a better light than I'm going to see it. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not seeing the 
Yeah, for one, I'm seeing two machines, maybe, you know, up to five, whereas you're looking at thousands and you start seeing patterns and obviously maybe machines managed by different teams. Like, I, I imagine I'm very much seeing the uh, clean underwear uh, rather than the dirty stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I, mean, I, I call this stuff like uh, the watermelon effect. Like the internet is like, if you look at it from an external scan perspective, you've got like this green outer skin with a few holes in it, like the bits. Yeah. Um, but inside most networks, I mean, Andy, would you agree with this? Inside most places, right? It's cheese. It's like, it's, it's, it's cheese. <laughs> I, I really want some cheese now. I like, I like some Edam or something like Baby Bells. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most businesses technology that I've been to over the let's say 20 years it's pretty shocking mm. um some, some of them are some of them are still like i mean I, i've i've tested client networks that are ridiculous like you're you're looking at well actually the, the engagement where i was on up until a couple of days ago um the, the client is running windows 10 and server 2019 but they've also got windows 3.1 and windows 2000 on the same network like you, you literally need to get an additional add-on for Windows 3.1 to put it on a network, and they're like, yeah, yeah, but it's essential for business. It's like, but segregation. Uh, by the way, you're saying that. Do you mean Windows 3.11 for work groups, right? Yes. You, yes. you know that, that you know that's like what I started with. <laughs> <laughs> Showing your age, Dan. Showing your. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a null modem cable, uh, um, like 14k modems. Yep. Uh, I set up a BNC network. I say. And I, I was a fucking kid when I was doing this. Like, I must have been the geekiest. Four-year-old. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 was not, um, I was not that good at communicating when I was a kid. Um, I mean, I could do it through a network cable. That was cool, like a non-modem cable. We could definitely send packets and stuff, but um, that is making me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as I was saying, like, it is a problem, and... I think sort of the. I think people need to take pragmatic approaches. They need to be honest. Like, uh, I, I when I say the F word, I don't mean fuck. Um, I, I see way too much F word around. Uh, you know, I see lying people. I see like, I, I wish that we sort of had this. We didn't have this checkbox mentality so much in people, and that they would sit there and say, right, okay, look, here's our estate. Here's this. Uh, this bit obviously falls outside because it's fucking old, but we're then going to like admit that and like sort of be able to operate with that being a known thing rather than this like everyone hides all the shit in the cupboard um, <laughs> position because yeah. no one sets out to make a system bad. Like I, I've never seen anyone like try and fuck up a project. Um, <laughs> I have. <laughs> But like most people do not allocate the right level of resourcing and stuff to do it. Like, like they, if you don't know how to do a job, this is what I fucking love, right? And I've had this way too many times. So uh, I think I need uh, this done and it takes two days. And I'm like, mate, can you do that? Like, are you an expert? Have you done this like time in, time out? No, I haven't got <laughs> That's what you're here for. Okay, so where have you got this number from? And people just make shit up. Like... And when you actually, and I do it with stopwatches, right, guys? Like, I, I am uh, I'm a bit weird sometimes. I will time people doing tasks. I will uh, time task myself. When I used to run teams of people um, doing pre-sales and stuff, we timed a lot of stuff so that we knew how long it takes. And the amount of 
people who think that it takes a lot less than it does uh, is insane. Because, like, if you want to do a proper job, and in, let, let's say, like, group policy, like, Andy, there's, like, 3,000 settings, right? Plus. Yes. It takes complete, more than five complete minutes. Complete it, Complete it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People are like, oh, just deploy a template. Done. And I'm like, no, nah, it doesn't work that way. Well, yeah. anyone who's seen me stream will see that, like, well, one, live demos are fucking hilarious and they when they go wrong, but um, things like group policy, they don't take, like, five minutes. Like, the most, I think the longest, right, firstly, prime example, configuring detection lab. That took me six hours. And then the tutorial was like, oh, yeah, it should take, like, ten minutes. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I, no, I don't think so. <laughs> it's not quite often the case as well with something that's, you know, quite a big task that you only really have to properly mess up one configuration and then you've maybe created a massive fucking hole in, like, uh, yeah, yeah, in your setup sort of thing. Like, um, so I, th I think I need to get more into the kind of labbing side myself um, to, like you say, build before you break. Uh, you say that a lot, <laughs> so it's one of your key bits of advice. Yeah, uh, I mean, people should be, like, you need to understand how networking works. You need to understand how protocols work. <coughs> you need to understand how the systems that are in these networks function. Like, you can pwn most organizations without getting DA. You can just pwn them from the fact they've got shares open with their yep. financial data. In. <laughs> right? The old thing. Like, and this is, again, like, <laughs> you try going through someone's file shares as an unauthenticated user, and you can usually get quite a lot. Uh, but let's say you go in and you get a job as a temp or you give yourself a, a standard user account, um, whether that's obtained or whether it's given. It really makes no fucking odds, right? Um, and go and look through 20 terabytes plus of data on a file server in, in, in a couple of days. You can't do it. Like, there's so much attack surface exposed that generally speaking, it, when you go and look at like whole network types of uh, setups, you, you are fucked from a data swamping point of view. Um, I mean, and if you look at like from a, from a almost, I mean, also adding into that from a data hygiene perspective, like um, see if you troll, if you ever find yourself on an internal pen test or a red team or anything where you're on inside somebody's network, or even from a defensive perspective, sit down and look at your data, look at how many copies of things there are sitting about. Like we, you find it all the time. You'll find a backup of a backup of a backup that's like fucking 50, <laughs> 50 files deep, and you're like, "What is going on here, lads? What the fuck is going on?" And then you find that the backup of the backup of the backup actually has the, the domain admin password in it. But it, it like, well, I'm talking from experience here. I've seen it in environments where you have the domain admin password, but it doesn't. It's not called DA password, but it happens to be written by the domain admin. Two minutes after the main admin password was changed. <laughs> bit, of a, bit of a coincidence there, folks. Bit of a coincidence. <laughs> but most people don't know what's in their systems. Like, they don't know what systems they've got. They don't know their configs. They don't know their data. And then if you ask someone, when you look at it, that's because someone's left. Yep. Someone's come in, or like, uh, and fuck, this is a common one. Like, people love to pay some SI organizations... They don't get two days to install their new security product or whatever the fuck it is. Like, they get no time. System, systems integrators friendly who's not in the know. Like, they turn up and they're like, yo, click, 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 next, 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 done, bitches. They're like, please sign that <laughs> paper. And then that dude, who probably is a subcontractor, by the way, um, <laughs> then leaves, right? And then his job's done. And then you're left as a customer with a system that you don't understand, that you don't have training on, that you, you know, don't know how to manage. 
in a config that's been done in five seconds, um, and this isn't a dig at that that like the people doing that job, um, but it, it's a problem. So like all of these things combined, like your backups have been backups have been backups with your D. I mean, fuck. Uh, one of the questions I think I got asked was um, on Twitter, what's the worst password? So like I think we have like the contender here, and you got a way in of this as well, right? Oh yeah. So I believe one was B. I, I can I can go one less than that. Uh, on on <laughs> actually on an engagement recently, we found blank passwords that you could authenticate with. I've never seen that in a Windows environment ever, and we worked out it's because the legacy support was from before Windows NT, which allowed blank passwords. As a result, there were service accounts that had no password. Just, just blank. Just, just log in, username, boom, shell, no problem. Doesn't, doesn't change anything. They happen to be enterprise admin, not even a risk, not even once. No. That's, I mean, I, I had not long ago the space bar. I've just poured water over myself because my <laughs> <laughs> so like I had a fucking like to get uh, uh, root creds to a system. It was space. The password was space. I mean, I don't think that's in my word list to check. No, it often isn't. <laughs> I've just seen Andy, because uh, I've got a lagged view on uh, on our stream, <laughs> I've just seen Andy fucking pour water everywhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, uh, I space, I mean, fuck me. Like, and passwords are really, really weird. Like, we have definitely, as an industry, not helped our fucking selves. Like, someone came up with the idea that capitals and 500 rules that you need to apply to, like, in a policy document and all that shit. What I tend to do, like, I don't fucking get it. Everyone's, most people's passwords are shit, right? Yeah. Like, really bad. So, the approach I take with this is, like, I just keep cracking them until I can't crack them within a reasonable amount of money. <laughs> But that, that teaches people how to fucking set a good password, right? Um, yeah. And I, I don't get why people don't do this. Like, when you talk to most organisations and say, when is the last time you did a password audit? And you see it done. They just don't do them. And it's like, it, it doesn't take long to... Um... <laughs> I've just seen that in chat I've just well. seen someone's... <laughs> Um, can you though that's the question <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know right uh, a, a club penguin password <laughs> so like regular password auditing and like again this all goes back to like how do we take it from our current function situation and make it better i'll tell you what you don't do you don't repeat the same fucking mistakes that you've been doing or we've been doing as an industry again and again we need to take better approaches we need better communications we need better business engagement. Like, it... but I, I mean, from from a password perspective alone, the the advice that people are like giving, like NCSC, for example, have, have stopped giving password advice. They've just said, um, have have a long password and change it every six months. People who are changing passwords every thirty days, yes, yes, it's it's good in theory, but in actual practice, you've got somebody who sets a really fucking secure password the first time, and then when they come to change it, they're like, ah, well, you see can't have 24 previous passwords i just add a one <laughs> on the end you're like or or you get some companies that have like a default password and then you do a password audit and you look at the default password you go 
Yeah, so you've got like 9,000 users and 6,000 of them are using the default password, but it's got like the number incremented by the amount of times they've changed the password. I, I did a, an audit and the CIO had password 27 or something. <laughs> like, and again, this goes back to comms, right? Like, if people don't know, they don't know. Like, and we should not treat people like idiots for, for that, right? Um, I think the technology and security space is really fucking weird. Um, like, everyone wants, again, like, I might sound old by saying this, but like, everyone seems to think it's like the faster you can be, like, the better you are. And gotta go fast, yo, gotta go fast. Yeah, man, but like, it's like, go fucking slow, slow the fuck down. Understand what you're deploying. Speak to people. Understand the user experience. Like, mm. work out what you want to do. Plan stuff. Document it. Like, build it. Build it in a test environment. Scratch it. Like, you need to be able to go, to go through these iterative processes. Now, I, I absolutely love cloud technology. Uh, I, I forget whether people like the term cloud or not, but it's a pattern. It's an abstraction. It's, you know... I love being able to deploy at scale. I love being able to automate things. I mean, fuck, I built an automating engine in Notepad. Um, like, you didn't get nice videos like drawing shit back in the day. We just built it manually. But we need to be able to do things in a way that is more reasonable and safer and with a better experience with security built in. And because we haven't got that at the minute. <clears throat> It's fucking all, like it's bad, like you know, and we need to sort of help the world change to to be better, but not like in the '90s security no, everything's fucking no sort of way. And, <laughs> and I hear this from people like uh, I hear some really fucked up stuff. I've had arguments with people before about subjects which I would I mean I hate the fucking word expert right, but subjects for which I've spent a long time in, and I hear people say stuff sometimes who are security people. Um, and I'm like, what the fuck are you on about? Like, wh wh what part of life did you go through to come out with that and be so confident in what you're saying, given the scientific evidence in front of you saying you're wrong? Uh, um, 5G causes coronavirus, just saying. Just, just... Yeah, I mean, like, that's, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's fucking insane, right? Like, what? Why would anyway, like, I mean, we, uh, we live in our make your own truth world that's very strange. I mean, uh, did, uh, did you see, um, did you see Mark's uh, deepfakes the other day, or whatever it is? Like the oh, Dave, Dave's done some deepfakes as well. Yeah, oh, cool. I've been using the same project. Um, it's really easy. You can even boot it up on Google Colab, so you don't even have to install any uh, any of the kind of Python packages or anything at all. All through the browser takes a bit of fiddling about, more video editing uh, and like editing the the images to be the right size to work uh, with the script but uh yeah the, the output of it is pretty fucking scary i'm not gonna lie it's it, it's still obviously fake uh these deep fakes but you know give that a year give that two years or maybe even behind the scenes at a research company there must be some pretty good shit out there as far as deep fakes is concerned if you say they're obviously fake i'm not gonna lie like they didn't look obviously fake when i was seeing them on my twitter feed oh well, uh, uh, in a small you know yeah, well, that's yeah. I mean, I'm sure if you analyze them, you can do that. But like, the majority of people consume content these days, like, 
they don't do it with a, a big lens like a magnifying glass right they're like oh it says this it looks like this it must be that like 5g cord is uh right oh, um, yeah 100 <laughs> well someone's actually as well um i've yet to try this but it's kind of on my list of things to do when i get some free time uh, someone's taken that same technology um that mark's been using and i was messing about with and they've turned it into real time so you mix that with a lot of people working from home or like you know a lot more use of kind of video conferencing tech uh, and yeah you could have some fun uh, or if you're a malicious actor down the line who knows what you might do for for misinformation i mean that's quite a cool poem right like uh, i'm gonna fish you via a video fucking message on mm-hmm. youtube and get you to follow me or i don't know you could there's some there's some crazy ass like ponies you can do like from a logic i mean i think one of the one of the questions was like what's the craziest pwn or something um there's a lot of stuff you can do that doesn't involve a fucking computer to get you access to a computer right Oh, you, can, uh, you can do you can do a Kevin Shipmick and whistle into a fucking microphone. Yeah. Oh, you can <laughs> social engineer people in a more direct manner. That, like, you can go and meet someone in a bar and you can get access to a network. Yep. Like, um, but I mean, technology, as it improves, presents new and interesting solutions and challenges and risks, right? Yeah, that's what, and that's certainly going to be one of them. Like, as when that starts get when video deep fake videos start getting used as a method of like f- just for social engineering, it doesn't seem like it would take. I think if it was authentic enough, if the video was authentic enough, and we kind of cross that uncanny valley, and it seems quite, you know, realistic, the video you're seeing at the other side, are you people going to be more likely to trust a face? than they are going to be a voice at the other side of a phone. I think I would, if it looked real enough, I think I probably would be. Uh, yeah, but uh, when is Donald Trump ever calling you and going, Dave, I need you to give me £10,000 so that I can build a wall? Nightly, he's Andy. Like, nightly. Like, he's like, he's, on the he's, sitting there, he's got very good friends, I hear. Like, very good friends. And they're, they're all very good at everything they do. He's got um, the best words. Yep. <laughs> There's feedback, by the way. There's feedback on your mic, by the way. Oh, mine. Yep. Have you got the stream on by any chance? No. A little bit of feedback as you came forward. So I'm not sure. Uh, I'm thinking <laughs> it might be a good time for us to move on to some of the questions from Twitter because we have fucking hundreds of them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw some of them. Some of them I'm not answering. Just a caveat there. Like yeah, yeah anything you don't want to answer, man. Like just uh, no comment, Your Honor. Give us the no comment, Your Honor, and I can move on. So. <laughs> Uh, let's have a little look. Just pull up the Twitter. There are fucking hundreds of questions. Jesus fucking Christ. Right. On a bicycle riding yeah. backwards. <laughs> uh, let's just see what we can find. What uh, from Brian Welton? What is your yeah. favourite, not necessarily the most effective method or tool for pwning? Hammer. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. I mean, uh, like, uh, my most effective tool, or my favourite, I haven't got a favourite tool. Like, whatever the fuck gets the job done. Um, Uh Like, I am not fussy about anything in that respect. Like, I see a lot of people like, oh, you need to write it in this language, or it needs to be done in this, or it must be fucking that, or you need to have it multi-threaded and fucking... Like, I'm not, I don't care. Like, whatever is the fucking quickest, easiest, 
simplest way of doing something. Gets the job um, done. Yeah. But like, I've, I absolutely fucking like, I love Burp Suite. Uh, you can like, you, there's obviously like open source tools for everything, but with Burp Suite, you can uh, you can fucking do shitloads with a mouse. Uh, and I'm quite happy with that, right? Like, I do not sit here all day like tapping out code and yeah. writing Python and stuff. I, I'm like, well, I need to be able to debug it. I need to understand it. I need to be able to just move on, really. Like, I'm like, whatever gets me to the objective quicker. Um, so yeah, the right tool for the right job. The right tool for the right job. Yeah, for how into the right car for every job just there. Um, <laughs> well, not not for going around corners at um, the speed limit. <laughs> yeah, 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 that is true. I am so glad we were in your car. <laughs> um, yeah, other questions we've got here is um, what's your coolest slash most interesting pony story? I My coolest... Uh, I walked into a building and pwned 5,000 machines in 15 minutes. That, that certainly tops Cyber Gibbon's three hacks in 15 minutes. I think that's like by a factor of a thousand and a bit <laughs> yeah, um, I mean I can't tell you about it. like I can't say much more about it like it was a really easy poem like it was the walking in was easy like it was actually quite I find it upsetting I get upset I, I actually prefer it when I find nothing like I don't get excited I get with shell rush or like whatever shell adrenaline whatever the fuck you want to call it the, the root blinders yeah like I fucking love doing a root dance but actually like I like doing that in a lab I like doing that in a game um when I go into an actual business and I find stuff that I actually don't fucking like it, like uh, I would much rather not be able to do that. Um, but yeah, yeah, like uh, hardly any time, a lot of ponage, um, with that a lot of skill, right? Like that wasn't with a hammer, <laughs> but that a hammer may have been needed, like to crowbar open the um, the, the case. I didn't need to do that at all. Like I walked in USB key, uh, got to a machine in uh, a non-secure but uh, sensitive area. Uh, I dumped the hash and passed the hash, man. Like, jobs are good. That was it. I owned everything, and I was like, "Well, better get but... a plan, right?" <laughs> well, I suppose, the, I suppose the counter argument to that is then, what's the most secure environment you've come up against? Like the the most, like, rather than pawnage, what's the most kind of the emptiest report you've delivered or, or... the environments I've designed <laughs> hey. yeah, do, you know, do you know what that is almost true right because when you do secure like designs and secure builds you pwn them as you go yeah like secure security through development yeah yeah you I mean you have to and this is something that I don't mean people get um checkbox last minute last gate is, is a fucking waste like you need to build this stuff in either in the people that are doing the build or the design and build uh, and the, the like into that process or as an extra team on top and augmenting. Um, so like the most secure environment, like uh, I've been to a few places where you're probably not going to get in that easily. Um, but I'm trying to think like almost everywhere is a train wreck, right? It's true. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. It's like if you can get to the right endpoint or the right part of the network, um, it's usually a, a clusterfuck. So, the it's the, the some of the environments you expect to be okay are okay. I guess is the is the message. But most things are are vulnerable because most things have been poorly implemented. 
see when it comes this so this might uh just highlight a little bit of my, my lack of experience but see when people are designing networks say it's a big a big organization they're looking to do a kind of rebuild or not like a medium kind of sized um is a network ever really built with someone i don't want to say a red teamer but someone that is capable of breaking into a network are they normally involved in the process of when a network's kind of put together and designed like normally, that... normally no normally no that's but interesting and this is kind of do you want we don't want normal normal's crap normal's like not good um let's have the new future the new world the new normal 2d yeah jurassic park 3 maybe um <laughs> i fucking love dinosaurs and i love jurassic park so that's like the reason why have to get as many Jurassic Park mentions as possible. Um, yeah, like the the approach people are taking to doing this stuff is wrong. Like, and I hate using the word wrong, but I, I, it's wrong. You can see this systemically through the uh, through what we see through our eyes. Um, ask anyone that's done gone and done internal pen testing, and it's just a mess. I mean, hell, you don't even need to ask someone that's done a pen test. Go and ask someone who works in software asset management. Or just digital asset management in general. Yeah, like you don't need to pwn anything really to find the vols as well. Mm. Like uh, if you work in networking, you can do pcaps and you can see what protocols are vulnerable. So you don't need to pwn anything. Like in terms of you don't need to run an exploit. Um, if you do asset management, you'll know how many old outdated systems there are and what you can then look at the vulnerabilities. Um, you know, like. There's a, there's a lot better ways of doing it. So most systems are fundamentally a bit a bit fucked. There's usually a constraint in there in the business planning and uh, and and the, the resource model um, for that. Does that sort of answer the question? Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, the, uh, I, I I just I, when I'm thinking these things through logically and I'm thinking about you know the the design process like if. The person designing it doesn't have the experience to know kind of where the attack surfaces are properly. Like they may have a you know a kind of high level or even a bit of a lower level understanding of it, but unless they're an expert capable of doing it, are they really ever going to know whether it's fully secure until uh, it's been built and then they get a pen test test a year later and they find it's getting pulled in left, right, and center? Right, it's an interesting one. Uh, just moving on to a question from Stu Kennedy, who was one of our previous guests. Uh, he said or asked you. If you could change one thing about InfoSec, what would it be? Um, I would change the way we market what we do. Mm -hmm. I probably will stop there in terms of why. <laughs> um, I think the way we market stuff is fucking shocking. I think that there's like Yes, we need to sell stuff. Yes, business models need to run, but people don't have to fucking lie to it, like lie to customers or um, over fucking egg the pudding in what they're saying. There is far too much bullshit in the industry. That's why I changed. I'd make people, people be a little bit more honest, which is funny for, for an industry which has confidentiality, integrity <laughs> as its pillars. Uh, we true. seem to lack that in the marketing and the sales arena. Um, who else have we got here? We've got uh, some guy called Tim uh, is asking <laughs> if you can have a, have a go. Made, made famous by Ouija Cast. Made famous. <laughs> um, yeah, he asks if he can have a go in your car. 
Can Tim have a go in my car? Yeah. He can... I definitely will take him for a ride in the car. Um, <laughs> That's an un, uncertain... Yeah, you know, like, you don't really want to bust the clutch, right? Like, uh, the clutch is four grand to replace, so... Ugh. Um, if he has one, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. My missus doesn't even drive my car, so. Uh, but I do love it, Tim, so maybe. Um, <laughs> got another one from Carol. Um, Mr. Mr. John Carroll, just to clarify. Mr. John Carroll. Uh, you can only make one change to an enterprise. What and why? Culture. Yeah. And for sure, I mean I, that's pretty self-explanatory, right? <laughs> um, if you change the culture, you can change the whole organization. If you change the technology, you can't change the culture. So mm. we've got one. I just to kill if I can call this one out because I've got AppSec bloke saying, uh, "Is CV19 suffering from trollage of people willing to get involved but can't actually contribute?" Yes, <laughs> the answer. Uh, so I've had some really weird people contact me, and some really fucking lovely people. This is like the most people are amazing. Um, I get some weird people who get a bit aggressive in terms of their their level of desire to help uh, in a really highly complex regulatory, legal, and <laughs> situation of circumstance. Uh, and like the reality is that. Like, if people want to help healthcare services, to start with, like, stay the fuck at home. Yep. Um, secondly, like, report phishing links. I know it sounds really lame and boring, but the quicker we take the phishing sites offline, the less impact they have. And yes, they will spring back up. So, like, the quicker we take them, like, the constant stream, like, it's, we should keep fighting that fight. Um, the... So there's that, there's that point. But yeah, I have like some, some people trolling. I get people trying to uh, proxy. So this is something which I'm sort of going to ask people. Like, when If you come to me and say you've got a vulnerability to disclose, it's really helpful from my point of view, um, especially if you're asking me personally, because by doing that, you're taking up my time, which is uh, not always a great thing. Um, but if you want some help reporting vulnerabilities, I can support that process, but I need you to report the vulnerability to me I don't want to sit there and say and then link you up as a your PA to uh, to your route to make vulnerability disclosure easier. Um, but also stuff like I get people asking, oh, can I give them all the intelligence uh, or give them content lists or give them data that we collected so they can tell their customers and shit like that? And I'm like, no, fuck off. Like, um, what we're doing is really sensitive. We're doing it with a massive level of like. Uh, security constraints and modeling like uh, we do not give our fucking data to anyone other than security services or the uh, healthcare providers so like it's a challenge in some instances but that's like a tiny tiny percentage of people that have been a bit weird uh, some people try and use it from a brand point of view and it, it's really transparent well it's, it's transparent it, it comes across really fucking obvious um, but generally people are absolutely amazing and the support we've had from everyone is, is, is awesome. So, same thing with usual. Humans are fucking weird sometimes. Agreed. There was a, there was a question earlier on in the stream, actually, that um, 
I think Mormaid asked, which was around, have you got any tips for kind of open uh, threat intelligence, like good good threat intelligence um, sources to look at? Yeah, I mean, you've got the usual suspects out there, right? So you've got uh, AINVOLT OTX, you've got SIS, if you've got, it depends what access you've got to platforms, right? Um, uh, so one thing that people can run, and I need to check this, but potentially you can use Spiderfoot. Um, I'm trying to remember if that does any active scanning. Um, Spiderfoot does have active scanning, but you can run it in passive mode. Yeah, I mean, passive Spiderfoot. <laughs> Good shot, <laughs> <show>, Andy. Um, <laughs> I mean, that, that's like a really serious consideration to make, is like people need to not break the law, and they definitely don't need to break the law in my name. I do want to not be in a van. Um, bag over my head. <laughs> Um, and that's something that we've, and Andy can um, attest to this, like, it's really important that people operate uh, inside the law. It's really important they use tools uh, and techniques that are safe. You can discover a lot about something without sending any bad packets. Um, you can discover a lot about something without doing too much OSINT. You do not need to go down to the level where you know what someone had for breakfast. Um, to help the healthcare services so uh, it's probably the usual suspects maybe andy we could like drop a tool list or something um yeah we can do this i mean we, we can put it in the non-existent show notes that we never ever have but <laughs> i was going to say like not necessarily a weedy cast like um we could probably just do a stream um yeah on that subject and we can i mean we've got a lab right so like we can probably show people some stuff because there's loads of stuff that's really useful um and there's stuff that isn't useful like report phishing links uh, if you want to get involved that's fantastic please do um but if you want to do something that's if you think you can contribute actively if i don't know you personally or we don't have like strong industry connections then please come to me with what you think you can do or how it might help um i don't know any everyone in the world um, and some stuff can help. There's like restrictions on things that can be done by certain people. You need to have certain clearances to do other things. It's really complicated. So uh, have a think before, like not everyone in the world will be able to like jump into a hospital network. Like you cannot just turn up at these places. Okay, I know I, I said I didn't want to cry, but they knew I was coming. Um, <laughs> like you can't just rock up at a hospital. You can't just start sending packets. Um, you like you need to know what you're doing. So like from a general public point of view, like reporting phishing is really effective. Reporting scam sites, sharing intelligence. Like if you like if you get an email from an address that's like in the UK, like if you get an email where there's an NHS um, UK or uh, NHS.net email address in it, right? Check the headers and see if it comes from. Uh, NHS mail servers, and if it does, then uh, get in contact and we'll help um, get that reported. Uh, another, we've got another question that's coming as well. Um, where, where, regarding CV19, where do you think you're having the biggest impact geographically outside of the UK? Can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, where we're having the biggest impact or where we're going to have the biggest impact, I, I don't know. It depends where the bonds and uh, depends on the engagement. We, we're being engaged by people all over the world. Um, some of the stuff, like it, it, it really depends on the relationship and communication. Like it, uh, one of the things that um, 
like really helps us is if people have connections in the healthcare sector, if we can like develop more like connections, and uh, that really helps. Um, the biggest impact, I don't know. Like I, there's stuff I can't say anyway, like in terms of what, what we find and what we report, but uh, yeah. we're definitely having an impact. I can absolutely like, uh, I got free thank yous from three different countries the other day in, in one day. Um, you don't get that from the people that thanked me uh, lightly. So that's fucking sick. Uh, uh, nice. You know, at least the, the people helping like are amazing. Like I cannot, I, I, I can sit. I'm like, I'm a, a spec, <laughs> in, uh, the grand tapestry of what we're trying to do. Right. Like uh, I'm the unfortunate person that, uh, and uh, like my, my fellow nerds will appreciate this. I'm on the unfortunate position where I actually have my name in it, um, and which, which I actually would have rather not. It would have been nice to just be able to do this and help people without it. But we do need support. We do need people to, you know, just even moral support, right? Like, it's difficult what we're trying to do. So we have to have some level of visibility, uh, which is really challenging, right? Because uh, the reason we put Rogers and Roger, which is our mascot coat, he's awesome. Uh, the dude who wrote him, I can't remember your name, but thank you very much. Uh, I actually borrowed him off uh, the internet and asked permission. Um, <laughs> and the dude said yes, and I was like, thank fuck, because if he had said no, I mean, Roger would have stayed anyway. Um, <laughs> we, we're trying to put out as much transparency as possible, um, but obviously people have to respect that the people we're engaging with... Um, like confidentiality is absolutely fucking paramount so nature of the beast yeah yeah absolutely it is weird it's, it's weird isn't it like uh it, it's hard as well right so a, a lot of you uh, if you work in the security industry you'll recognize that you report stuff or you uh, work in situations and your information flow sometimes only goes one way yep this is a bit like consulting right i like fucking write big reports and it's like you should do this and then someone says, thanks, see you later. And you never get to see whether it's done. And it goes straight in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 thanks, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you, but you see it sometimes in the news. Like, uh, uh, one organisation who got really fucking pwned. Um, and you're like, dudes, I told you that was fucked. Like, we offered to help you fix it, and you didn't take it. And, and that's, like, part of the reality of this is, for all the goodwill in the world... In some scenarios, we're going to say we could help you and things will go wrong. Like, I had that in WannaCry. Um, I'm definitely going to have that again. Um, you know, you can't let that, like, stop you, but it's, it's, you can't rule you either. Like, it's like, you know, um, we can only do what we can do. We're a volunteer force. We, uh, like I said, like, from a from a people involved in a active work, if that makes sense. Um, yep. The people that are doing stuff, they're all professionals. They are all uh, uh, long-standing industry members. They all have clearances and, you know, whatever they need to do the job, if that makes sense. So just bear that in mind. If you don't sit into that space or if if it's in a country, if, if like our linkages to a country or something uh, aren't there yet, like not we can't do everything at once. But uh, we had someone come in um, the other day and he was like from a different country to what we've been focusing on. And he was like, I really want to help here. Uh, and so we identified within two hours a, uh, a vulnerability, reported it, and that got closed down. So we will help as many people as we can realistically. Um, and also, we're not alone, right? There are other groups. There's the, the CTI League. Um, there's the I can't, Threat Coalition. 
there's other groups as well, right? So they and we all have different approaches. Uh, CV19's approach is we've got uh, activity on the public front, which is the phishing reporting, which we are hopefully releasing a tool soon um, to, to help with that. Um, we've got our security awareness training. Uh, that was fantastic today that, that that's come online. Um, we've got uh, like our, what I call Project Ryan, which is our hunting program. Um, like we've got different bits of activity with different people involved in. So I'm hoping that we've got the right coverage, but also like some of our stuff is being done with a very, very small group of people. Um, and depending on what country people are operating in depends on who will work in that. And it's all done on a very um, specific, uh, like there's a security model we built so that people are working on the right stuff and that so we reduce our own risk. And so with all, with all the people that are working on things, like what's the split of, of volunteers? Is it mostly techies or are they are more helping with like kind of governance and risk management and the engagement sort of stuff? Or is it... It's, it's a complete mix. All right, cool. Like the, the biggest challenge of all of this, right? And I said this um, not just about CV19. The biggest challenge of all this stuff is comms. Yeah. Like if you've got someone who thinks they have a problem and they don't know who to talk to, or they think that phoning their local intelligence agency... Um, or, or whatever, you know, they might not know who to ring. They might be thinking it's not worth the time. Um, it's all about comms. And the, the more comms we have, the better. The more intel we have, the better. Um, Speaking of that, uh, that's a good time for another question we've had on Twitter from a Bushido token. Um, what would you change about intelligence sharing and the InfoSec community? That was one of the questions we got. Uh, so... I think there's a there is a change. Uh, there's a lot more intel being shared. Uh, there's definitely stuff being shared that wouldn't normally have been. Um, I still think that intel sharing is difficult by the nature of what it is. Yeah. Um, like, if you were to sit on a pile of vulnerabilities and know about that, that's bad data as well as good data. Like, it's it's it is just data. How you use that data is really important and how you, like, it's very different to if you operate on your own um, as an individual and you go and do OSN, there's no real law, uh, unless you actually, you know, break the CMA getting it. There's no law on how you store and create data. And even though CV19 is a, like, non-legal entity, it's still being operated as an organization. So how we do stuff um has to be managed as if we were a legal entity because we are, mm. we are, uh, you know, we are doing some serious work with serious data and serious levels of intelligence. Uh, yeah. That's probably not my intelligence, but like <laughs> <laughs> collective intelligence. Collective intelligence, yeah. Um, so we're treating it appropriately. Um, as the task demands, like, and as yeah, we absolutely. said before, with like, the nature of it. Yeah, uh, it's like the other day I reported a vuln in a private sector org, right? Uh, for free. Uh, I don't know why I did that. No. Um, what a nice guy. <laughs> um, look, I, I kind of think of it as this, right? So the the intelligence community and for what we're doing, it's really like it should be pretty obvious that some stuff we don't talk about. There's some stuff with countries that we will not share with other countries. Um, there's some stuff with organizations we won't share. Like you have to be really careful with what you're doing. Um, like we can all drop a load of IOCs onto a GitHub repo, right? Yeah. 
but you can share I'm, them, but they're not always useful, and sometimes they can be more damaging than actual use. Yeah, like okay, so if you drop a load of C2 IPs and a yeah. actor finds it, then they'll burn their C2 and rebuild it. Yep. Yep. If you drop a load of like uh, malicious IPs and it's got good guys IP in it, you might end up putting like legitimate people at risk. People at risk, or you might be shutting. Like you can DOS people without you knowing it. So like you have to be really considerate of what you're sharing, what you're doing, how that's being collected, created. But also it's the fucking internet; it changes. Like oh yeah, you oh. spin up an, a, a droplet or like uh, an instance somewhere and. Today it's yours, and tomorrow it might not be. Fuck it. Like, <laughs> it's not even a day. You can spin stuff up. Minutes. minutes. Yeah. Well, you've got you've got all, all the serverless stuff as well on AWS and, and Azure and, and uh, Google Cloud, where you can have an IP address for a couple of minutes, have an application sat there, and then like spin it down again. And that application might get flagged as malicious for those couple of minutes. Then the next business that comes along uses it's a legitimate business. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen it so many times before where people report. Uh, People have had their, like, okay, so I was at one customer and a contractor bought in a pwned laptop with configure. <laughs> what? I know, I know, it was like fucking blast from the past. Um, and he bought in a router with a fucking DHCP server on it and configure oh. infected laptop. I was like, what the fuck? And, um, and this is another funny thing. It was then the IT department's fault. Um... It obviously wasn't their fault. I mean, <laughs> well, if you don't implement NAC for random devices, I'd say it is the IT department. Yeah. Well, <laughs> how many organisations have implemented NAC, and how easy is it to do it without? Yeah, money? true. So yeah. like, uh, that's a fucking risk. It is funny, like uh, in a jokey kind of way. Like, I'm pretty sure most of me and my mates have set up a DHCP server on a prod network by mistake and uh, caused a level of disruption. Um. It is a real risk, uh, and you can block it, but it requires you configuring shit like switches, which seem to just be like thrown in, default config, one admin user, hope for the best, standard SNMP community streams, <laughs> like most shit is just like fuck it, thrown in, right? Because it's all cheap and easy. Um, well, it's, it goes back to your kind of system integrators comment earlier on. It's most most people will have like two days and we'll just, we'll just integrate it. It'll be no problem. And in actual fact, the default config that they have may actually be ridiculously vulnerable. Like I've seen that in client environments where they've used the same SI provider and they have the same domain admin password. Shock horror. Honestly, I got one the other day where a MSP, their creds were pwned several years ago. I know this because they immediately cracked in, hash the, uh, in crack station. Um, and they didn't change the fucking creds. Like, it didn't change. They didn't notify their customer that their fucking, one of the, their shared reused creds had been pwned as part of a breach. Um, like, I don't know, like, there, there's some seriously fucking wrong things with, 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 with like, security and tech and behaviours and people. And, um, and that's why we set this stuff up, right? Like, it's to try and help. But I mean this like anyway, like I build CTFs to help people. Like, don't get me wrong, I like building stuff, but I've built Active Directories and Exchange servers and SharePoint servers and I, I built technology for a long time. Um I used to work as like uh, four system integrators. I used to go and do installations and stuff. I don't mean hardware, I don't touch that shit apart from my lap. <laughs> um and I used to run pre-sales. So I used to spec the stuff up. 
But I'd be the person saying, no, mate, it's not two days with no documentation, no project management. It's this much money because that's what you need to do a good job. And I don't do a shit job. Um, like, well, no, it's, it's a problem, man. Um, got um, another question here from uh, Dark Show uh, on Twitter. Um, should cyber insurance become compulsory for UK companies? I don't believe that is the right approach to take. And I can go into detail on that as well, right? Like, um, yeah. if cyber insurance becomes compulsory, who pays out, who doesn't pay out? Is the default route to not fucking care? Uh, you're then making it mandatory that you make uh, someone give their business money to another business. Well, you're, you're creating a monopoly, like an unnecessary monopoly. Look at the car insurance market. People that defraud that make it shit for everyone else. And likewise with cyber insurance, if you were to do that, people who defraud cyber insurance is going to make it shit for everyone else. It's just kind of, it's it's creating an unnecessary cost to a business that might not otherwise require it. And not That's everyone. Yeah. Because yeah, if, if, if you if you think about it, so I had a conversation with somebody about PCI environments recently, and they were saying that almost all banks are non-PCI compliant because, in their opinion and their eyes, uh, if they, they they can afford to take the, the the hit, so they'll be fined every year for not being PCI compliant. But it's still cheaper to do that than to fuck about with all the other stuff. So it's the same when it comes to like breaches. Sometimes it's cheaper to pay the well GDPR, for example, than it is to pay for insurance, or it is to kind of because if you say say you're I don't know say you're an SME for example, and it, it becomes mandatory that you need cyber insurance. How do you quantify that in a kind of manageable manageable amount that? You, you may be an SME, but you may make fuck tons of bank, and you're only classed as SME because you're a small company. You've only got 10 employees, but you make a billion dollars a year or something. Like, billion pounds, sorry. I'm, I'm going, going American. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's interesting. I don't know much about cyber insurance, to be fair myself, so uh, it's interesting getting your guess. I, I don't think many people know a lot about cyber insurance. I don't know if the cyber insurance industry knows a lot about cyber insurance. <laughs> Probably just another money-making opportunity someone spied out and went we'll have some of that yeah of course it's snake oil i mean everything's snake oil if you can a- anyone will give you money if you can convince them and communicate well to them what it is it's social engineering 101 if i if i'm going to sell you if i'm going to sell fish to a fisherman i'm going to tell them it's really tasty fish they're going to fucking buy it it's the same with cyber insu- cyber insurances you need to fix the underlying issue which is f- fear uncertainty and doubt it, like Fix fix the business problems. Don't try and don't try and add an insurance policy. It's the same way with web applications. If you've got a shit web application that's vulnerable to SQL injection, it's vulnerable to cross-site scripting, it's got remote code execution. If you chuck a WAF in front of that, you're not fixing the issue. You're just adding the kind of levels of complexity to the attack. And I yeah, think that- oh, oh, but the WAF, WAF one's a funny one because, like, would I put a WAF in front of something? Absolutely. Would I not fix it behind it? No, I'd fix it. Yeah. Well, you can have belts and braces approach, but like the, the the thing is, if there are underlying issues, you can't just add more security. We'll just like we'll just add more guns. Oh wait, no, that's a different different thing entirely. But we'll just add more firewalls, and that'll fix everything. But yeah, we're, we're I think we're kind of going off on a tangent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me, me and me and like might have to like start our WAF crusade. Like, um, but like no, I mean. I don't think it should be mandatory. Uh, I think the we need to do something different, but I don't know what that is exactly. The problem is of humans is that as soon as you get lots of people who want to 
like make it better. They usually actually make it worse. Yep. In a sense of like, if you look at all the regulatory bodies and how fucking long it takes to change the standard, and then audits and all that shit. Like, if you look at the way a lot of this is like geared around continual revenue generation. So like, you can pay to be part of the club, and the club has a standard, and then you yeah. have to be audited. But to be audited, you need to then pay money, and then. So sounds sounds like something like Mickey Mouse um, certification that you can get. It's five five letters. It just starts arguments, begins with a C and ends with a P. <laughs> uh... But again, like uh, like certifications and stuff are really good. Like I read books fucking all the time, apart from recently because I haven't had time. But like <laughs> uh, when I say I read books, though, I'll read like white papers and shit online as well. Like I read a lot. Uh, in, Management theory is really good. Like ITIL is really fucking good. Like if you haven't read it, then probably don't comment on it and go and read it and actually read the fucking actual books, not just the foundation one. Uh, there's like a new version of it, but go back in time and look at the history of management theory and go and pick up like marketing books and go and pick up like um, HR books and go and look outside of the domain you you like exist in, um, because there's good stuff everywhere and. My approach I take is I, I try and like find out lots of cool things and then I mash them all together to make some some weird like hybrid monster. Um, but it means I get to contextualize stuff and look at stuff from different viewpoints. Um, so some training, some certs are is good, some's bad, some's indifferent. But there's nothing wrong with learning. There's nothing like <laughs> it's really fucking difficult given the nature of where we work and what we do. Like. <laughs> to argue for and against standards because we all use standards as uh, in, in our designs, in our work, in our methodologies, but then also in training we fucking hate standards. Um, like I said, you put lots of people together, you throw money into it, you suddenly end up with a situation that's more that can often be more interested in revenue and continual uh, continue annuity. Uh, than it is in continual good. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, I've got another one here which is quite interesting because uh, it's one I've often thought as well. Um, uh, how uh, how many times have you found the pass Cisco on routers, like the the default Cisco one, the passwords that you might find in a config? Is that something you look for and how often do how you tend often, to find well, that I mean, kind of thing? Have, I, I, you know, I can't even remember. I've found switches and routers without passwords on, so... Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I'd rather have default creds than no creds. Yeah, um, I'm not going to lie. Like, most people do set creds on switches, from my experience. Stuff like yeah. ILO and DRAC, they don't always yeah. do that. Um, <laughs> and firmware updates are fucking never applied. And, like, you, most things are a dumpster fire. So... <laughs> That seems to have been the kind of general gist that you've been kind of giving across throughout the <laughs> yeah, last couple of hours. That's my really subtle point of uh, most networks are fucked. Everything's um, fucked. <laughs> I suppose we can probably, well, there's loads of questions, but the, at the end of the podcast, we always ask our guests a select number of questions that are from yeah. previous guests. So um, I, I don't know if you want to kick off with the first one, Dave, and we'll go there on and there, there out, or uh, yeah. Yeah, let's go for it. Um, what was the best and worst thing you learned? in 2019 I learned I something in 2019 fuck knows um, <clears throat> I can't even remember 2019 at the minute 
I can't remember who asked us that question. I, I actually, honestly, I could not, like, the um, best thing I learned in 20... I think, I think it was Neil, actually, come to think of it, because we, we've had one from every guest. So we've had Neil Lines, we've had Stu, we've had FC, we've had um, Danny... Steve Olson. Steve Olson. Brian's open up six SSA possessions to a Cisco switch. If they aren't security lines 1 to 15, you're in. You're in. <laughs> I mean, Fair enough. <laughs> that's probably fucking true as well <laughs> Brian I love you man um, the what did I learn I have no fucking idea what will I learn in 2019 I probably learned I had a new business experience right so one of the things I found when I've set up a company is I've learned stuff by doing this that I don't think I'd have ever had known from like or experienced from being um as an employee, like uh, I had one company, uh, they they offered me to be able to apply for a tender, which I said no, I'm not applying for a tender, and then they asked me to come and present, so I then got given a panel interview, um, and then I said, uh, and at the beginning I said I'd never sign their contract, and uh, they then continually asked me to sign their contract. I said like. Do you phone up Virgin Media or BT and say, can I have a new link, please? Sign my fucking contract. Um, <laughs> like in 2019, I had some really good experiences in 2019 and some really bad experiences. Um, when you go into business uh, relationships with people, take it slowly. Don't jump in too heavy. People are really fucking weird sometimes. Um yeah, like, be careful, and money's not the most important thing. I would say that money's probably not that important. Uh, you need enough to live and survive, but, like, make sure what you're doing is right. Make sure that it, it um, and this is, like, some learnings I've had in 2019. Um, don't lose integrity uh, just for a couple of quid, right? Like, you can make money in a load of different ways. Uh, you, you lose your integrity, and uh, you, you're going to have, have a problem. You lose your livelihood, yeah. Seems like uh, great advice. I'm gonna skip the next question and move on to the third one because we'll, we'll we'll probably go for that at the, the end. Um, what's your biggest regret in your career, uh, or the things you've wished you've done or haven't done thus far? Oh, I haven't got any regrets, man. Like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, no regrets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like, I don't know, man. People put a lot of emphasis on shit like labels and brands and stuff. Like, I've been into fucking massively good branded networks. Sorry, branded. Like, I've been into orgs of all shapes and sizes. And I think people get far too Star Trek. Star Trek? Star Trek. Star Trek. Star Trek. Star Trek. Star Trek? Sounds like a really shit spin People get way too Star Trek with shit. They even think that, like, they get a big four name or they get some fucking brand and the world's fucking different. It's not. Everyone's human. Um... Yeah, like, I, I, don't, I don't really, like, I don't tend to judge things in that way. It doesn't really mean fuck all to me. Um, I don't regret much in life. Like, don't get me wrong, I am not perfect at all in any fucking stretch of the imagination. Um, I don't live my life with regret. I live my life uh, with positivity. I do things that I think are good. Have I fucked up in the past before? Fuck yeah. Like, um, you know. Uh, I've made mistakes, but I learn from them. I move on. Uh, 
Yeah, there, yeah, that's it. No real point living in the past. Like you can only focus on kind of moving forward and taking those lessons and you know applying them to yeah your, your kind of life. Like, I mean, one of the hard things is like this is uh, this is all I do. Like my 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 work and my technology industry is like that's made forever, right? It was either the army or or this. Um, and people say, like, what do you want to do next? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like I want to help more people. I want to play with some more cool technology. I want to go to more cons, um, and I want to be able to sort of use what I can do for good. Like, that's more important than anything. Um, because, like, you only got, like, fucking, what, like, 60 to 80 years, and then you're dead anyway, so uh, we may as well use our nerd powers and help people, right? Fuck yeah, man, that's a great attitude. Now, that is the answer to <laughs> whatever the question was. <laughs> <laughs> It does roll quite well into the, the kind of other question there is where do you see yourself in 10 years' time? Uh, I'll be 10 years older in 10 years' time, hopefully. <laughs> You'll be what, sorry? I'll be 10 years older in 10 years' time, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, still, drive, still driving in Aston. I, I, if I'm not driving in Aston in 10 years, I'll be very upset. <laughs> uh, if you could teleport anywhere... Uh, would wait a minute. What was this one? I think this was yeah. This is Phil, uh, Phil's, Phil's question. Yeah. Yeah. If you could teleport anywhere, would cities become a thing of the past? Oh, I. Oh, if I could teleport anywhere, um, or if anyone could teleport anywhere, that's a big difference, right? If if only I can teleport, then <laughs> cities probably wouldn't. Um. Fuck, that's a cool question. Yeah, it was a really good one. So, I think that regardless of teleportation, look at this, change the question and answer something else. <laughs> I think if you look at the way people travel and their movements and their like their lack of digital melding, that's a fucking new phrase I've just made up. If At least I don't think I've made it up. Someone else probably has. Like, the way that we tend to operate in like nerd space is we don't really notice the difference between physical and virtual, right? This is true. Uh, is that a fair statement? I mean, fucking... Yeah, me. I would like, say so. Yeah, it's we so literally, true. like, me and Andy can just be, like, call each other and be like, yo, what's up? Like, it's just as if you were next to someone, so... Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think that normies might start to adopt a lot more of that. Muggles. Um, the muggles. The muggles. Yeah, muggles might, like, <laughs> understand. Like, um... The way you do stuff, like having a piano lesson does not require you to be in the same fucking room. You can put an iPad on top and film it and stream it and all that shit. So will, do cities need to exist? Probably not. If I can teleport everywhere or if everyone can teleport everywhere. No, I don't think so. I think that there's a lot of uh, like old industrial revolution type shit. Like it's, it's not like equipped with technology. It's equipped with human constraints that people have put in because it makes them feel in control and it makes them feel powerful and important and all the shit that isn't actually important in life so I think no cities with teleporters we wouldn't have cities that's a great answer <laughs> what's your question for our next guest who I think looks like who, it will be who is going to be Dave Kennedy yes oh I, I just watched Dave give an awesome talk uh, isolation con. Um, the next question. 
you know, I probably should have uh, had this question beforehand, right? Like, <laughs> part, part of the fun of the podcast. Fuck it, we're doing it live. Um, with Dave's experience, what what advice would he give to people coming into the industry um, to get them on the path? Um, you know, how do they start in the industry and how do they get realistic expectations of, of what the world looks like? Because, so you have to probably paraphrase this afterwards, but like, how do we give people the right expectation? Because what I see is people are thinking they're going to come into this industry, they're going to pew pew the fuck out of everything, and they're going to earn like $300,000 or $170,000 or fucking like shitloads of money. And it doesn't work that way, at least it doesn't in the UK. And maybe that's like a UK and a USA divide thing, but I don't know. How, what would he say to people coming into the industry and how um, how would he say best to prepare for the realities of uh, not insanely mature network and organisational maturity levels? So th- there's mm-hmm. a caveat to that question because you need to answer your own question as well. So, Dan, how would you suggest? <laughs> <laughs> I think, okay, okay, so... You just put yourself on the spot. (laughs) People need to... um, And this doesn't matter if you're young or old or whatever. Like, You need to be really pragmatic about what it is we do. You need to be realistic and understand that it's not all balaclavas and fucking like MI5 James Bond shit, which is MI6. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's really hot in here, right? (laughs) I'm not even kidding. Um, I can hear fans on, on machines start to turn up. Um, be fucking realistic talk to people be nice to people network learn from the past understand systems do not have a fucking ego if you have an ego in reality most corps and most of like you will not end up in a good position um, you will find yourself with uh, people who will probably not employ you and the older fuckers uh, in the world I'm uh, talking about myself here. Um, <laughs> like, when you're younger, you have to remember that you will become the hiring and the firing and the leadership uh, in the industry. So, don't be a dickhead. Um, you know, be nice and be realistic. Yeah, that's, does that answer my own question? Fuck those. Um, Sage advice. Don't be a dick. Absolutely, Mike. Mm-hmm. Well, that's us at pretty much two hours, which is a new record for the podcast. <laughs> the, the longest you know, podcast. You know, after this, like, apart from the stream, we'll have to redact everything I've said, right? <laughs> okay. Well, you're going to have to listen through two hours of it to find uh, the facts. I, I, honestly, I mean, I, I'm going to get uh, I'm going to have to pass that to someone else because I can't hear my own voice. It's weird. Oh, tell me about it. Editing a podcast is the, the reason why we don't edit. <laughs> it's purely because I can't be arsed hearing yourselves back. Uh, is there anything you'd like to? And we always like to ask if there's anything like you'd like to plug or kind of advertise that you're kind of doing, or if someone else is doing that's cool that you want the world to know about. Um, <laughs> so I'm just laughing at what Brian's just written in the chat. <laughs> uh, Andy, you need to swear a bit more. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Sorry, cunt fuckery. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. <laughs> uh, well, sorry, the question was 
yeah just if there's anything you're looking to plug uh anything you're doing at the moment or if someone else is doing that's cool like you want the uh, uh, listeners know, to know about do you know what i mean i would be uh, it would be wrong with me to not ask for more help from the community right and uh with the cv19 initiative um if people can help us if people like even from just getting a comms to healthcare uh perspective like get you wouldn't believe the challenges we face in this space so any help and support people can give would be really really appreciated we literally run on love um like i, I i'm paying for digital ocean off my own company credit card um like there's a ton of ways people can help us um so really just like get get in touch uh join the linkedin group uh you know feel free to reach out to me or lisa or red um but yeah i mean we're trying to help people that need help uh, and we need help to help them so yo yeah, dog i heard you like help so if we gave help you could help me help <laughs> yeah <laughs> yo dog <laughs> there's definitely an exhibit meme coming in here right <laughs> Well, I think that's a nice natural conclusion to what's been an awesome chat, Dan. Like, thanks very much for taking the time to come on here because I know you're busy and uh, finding the time isn't always easy. Um, so, yeah, good luck with everything you're doing. Like, it's clearly needed, but, and I think you're going to... I hope it's as rewarding as it sounds. Yeah, guys, and like, uh, this is thank you to everyone that's helping. You're on here. You're on but here guys, thank me. you so much for having me on here. Like, uh, this is awesome. Uh I mean, fuck, I don't well, even know why I'm on here, if that makes sense. I'm just like, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neil Wine suggested, Stu suggested, FC suggested. I think, I think everyone, every guest we've had on said Dan Card would be a good guest to get on, so we've. No, I, th I think you've been really, really into it. Certainly interested me for the last two hours and. As as we tend to sit on Discord for hours on end, it's. I mean, oh, hopefully, I have been, hopefully I have been a good guest, and hopefully I haven't bored the fuck out of everyone. No, I suppose the, the, the um, final, 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 final question is, uh, who would you like to see on the podcast next after? Being <laughs> yeah. <laughs> entirely, entirely doable. No, I suppose the the, the final, 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 final question is, uh, who would you like to see on the podcast next after Dave Kennedy? Oh, um. Do you know what? I, and this is going to be sound a bit like a lame cop out, but uh, I think most people in our community would be good to have on the podcast. Um, the, I mean, I, I'd have to say it's like uh, this. Uh, uh, I think Brian uh, Wilson should go on the podcast because he's not only got a fucking massive level of uh, industry experience and knowledge, but he's got a great sense of humour. Uh, so. Maybe we could get Brian to come on. <laughs> Hello, Brian, you're still in chat? Wave if you're still in he chat. Might not be. He might be now trying to fucking send me some dodgy packets. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Brian, I've got a Cisco switch in the cab, right? <laughs> nice one. But yeah, I mean, uh, there's, there's, there's too many names to mention, right? Like, uh, I can see uh, I can see Mike, I can see Sam, um, like, there's just shitloads of people. Like, our community is full of amazing people, so I think like uh, kids keep bringing more and more people in, right? That's uh, giving people as well that don't. I mean, I don't particularly run out and jump around 
from a I don't try and get onto conferences and I don't try and um, do that much stuff like I stream every now and again just because I'm like well someone might like watching me fuck around in a CTF or actually uh, I might actually be pining something but the CTF might look like the reality um, <laughs> so like giving people that haven't like done this stuff before an opportunity that's really good I think nice Next one. Uh, well, yeah. have you got anything else yourself, Andy, you want to announce? Uh, well, thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the stream. Uh, I, this didn't go as badly as I thought it would go, actually. Um, <laughs> I think in future... <laughs> I love that. It didn't go as badly as you thought. <laughs> well, the, the, the kind of realisation that an hour before we are going to record the podcast, Dan's like, why don't we stream it? And I'm like, that's a great idea. <laughs> and Dave was like, mm, is it a great idea, though, Andy? Is it? I was like, yeah. I'm I mean, the audience can decide, but I think this is a great <laughs> idea to stream it because um, I, I, that means I haven't got to edit my own voice. I mean, I think that's a fucking win. It's true. It is true. Um, yeah, it's, it's been good. I, I think that, you it know, has been. Yeah, I've loved it. We might potentially in the future do more live podcasts. I think it would be interesting to do. This hasn't, as I say, it hasn't gone as bad as I thought it would go. It's, it's actually gone really well. Um, we've had a lot of input from chat. We've not done any porn bots this week, which has been good. Um, <laughs> I so... did see you tweet that the other day, actually. Yeah. So uh, anyone, anyone who missed it, um, isolation con at the weekend. We had two two people post really hardcore pornography in the chat. I was like, well, need to instantly block that shit. Not not mm-hmm. because it was it wasn't even good porn. It was just like really shit, bad porn. Not the bad porn, but just just low quality anyway it's going off topic are you saying that we need to develop some better porn bots is that what you're saying yes yes Dave and on that note <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening folks yeah cheers folks thanks so much guys bye